everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Pioneer Perspective. My name is Brad, and we are the official podcast of the MTG at Home Discord server. If you want to play Paper Magic with us and hang out and just maybe even catch a live stream or two, I don't know, hit the link down in the description below, and we will see if we can, you know, make some new friends. Speaking of friends, I have two with me right now. I have Matt and Alex. Matt, how are you? I'm wonderful. How are you, Brad? Uh, besides a, uh, potential, you know, lockdown earlier today at work, uh, doing pretty good. Yeah. That's, that's a little scary. It happens. I, I live in the United States, so it's going to As happen. a European, I cannot relate. And I will now, and that will be my first and last political statement of this podcast. <laughs> Alex, how are you? Yeah, I'm all right. Um, I've got I got this week off, so I've got a nice week of doing whatever the hell I feel like. So that's all right. Got some. Uh, sadly, got my grandparents both got COVID last week, but they both seem to be doing okay. Yeah. So we're gonna uh, pop around to get them like some shopping, shopping and stuff tomorrow. We're not actually going in because we're staying at our distances, but just to check up on them. See, here I was about to suggest you go like paddle boarding or something, and. Uh... No, you hit me with the COVID thing. So I guess don't go do that. <laughs> I mean, I'm 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 okay. I'm healthy. I'm uh, staying away from people. I'm uh, I'm mostly just bored some days, but I think everybody can relate. I've had people who I like haven't spoken to in like half a year, and they're like, "Yeah, what's up?" And it's like nothing, and they're like, "Same." <laughs> that is the the world we live in now. It's a lot of nothing, and I've I was home all day. And I guess I did work, but it didn't feel like it. I'm bored. But the one thing that's not boring is the Pioneer format. Speaking of which, obviously we are the Pioneer perspective, but... Happy happy birthday birthday. to you. Happy birthday to you. Okay, stop. Happy birthday, Pioneer. Happy birthday to you. I I love to, you know, it's usually... You didn't say happy birthday, Pioneer. You said happy birthday, Pioneer. I mean, I had to squeeze it into the song, right? Happy birthday, Pioneer. Yeah, but that doesn't really fit in the tune. Because normally it's dear person, and then you hope their name has, like, it consists of two parts, because otherwise you're going to have to, like, say it really quickly. Whatever. I'm not a musician. I'm just trying to wish the fuck format of you know, a birthday or whatever, and you're, you're over here singing, and it's taking way too long. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, but yeah. as we record, today is the one-year anniversary. Yes, uh, October 21st, 2019, we got that wonderful, wonderful announcement and beautiful article announcing Pioneer from Wizards of the Approximately four lifetimes ago. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. But, I mean, this, this format has been awesome. Uh, we've had certainly... Many ups and, and many downs uh, as well uh, thus far in the first year. But we're still here. You know, there was that period of time a little while back where people were wondering if we'd even, you know, make it to a year old. Like it was going to be another, uh, what was Frontier, Frontier. Extended? One of those? So Frontier. Extended was around for a while. Oh, was it? I know Frontier wasn't very great. Well, no, one Frontier thing- was the opposite of great. One thing's for sure, we lasted longer than Captain. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I, I don't think that's saying much, but yeah, we definitely we definitely lasted longer than Captain. But I mean, so in honor of the birthday of Pioneer, we want to kind of have a little bit of a lighter episode this week. Um, we're not going to really focus too much on the metagame and the challenges. Uh, I'll just say real quick, the challenges were won by Jess Luca and uh, Soltai Reclamation, which the Reclamation list was basically Soltai Delirium with two copies of Reclamation in it is what it looked like and a little bit more counter magic um outside of that you know we're gonna see some cool decks that we liked uh, over the week uh but more importantly in honor of the birthday the the big old birthday boy actually you know inanimate objects are usually referred to as uh she so would pioneer as a format be a she like a ship like a vehicle i'm gonna be honest i didn't really put much thought into this because it's more of an idea not even really a thing. Like, are ideas gendered? I'm going to say she. All right. Birthday girl, pioneer. Here we go. Yeah, sure. We'll go with it. As long as we, like, agree <laughs> on one thing. Uh, sadly, we can't ask pioneer to define its gender. So we're going to say birthday girl. All right. Well, out of the last year, in honor of the birthday, what are your favorite decks of the format? I guess we'll start with uh, with Matt with the easiest answer. <laughs> well, if if somebody hasn't guessed by now, the answer for me is Mono Green, uh, specifically the post August bands version of it that has the Carns and the Vivians and the Nissas. You know, I know it was around at the beginning, but I specifically like this version of it. But that could just be my bias of I've only played that deck for three months now, so obviously it's my favorite. Yeah. I mean, you try to shoehorn a bunch of big green things in it, like a Shia and all that good stuff. I just I mean, find it's a, it's a cool deck. I just find that so the type of magic I like to play is the type of magic where you just make amazing things happen that might not be good, but they're just like spectacle magic is like what I like to call it. Like it's a spectacle, and I feel like Mono Green does that very well. It's a spectacle. What do you mean you can so you play like uh, you like twenty twenty magic basically? Yeah, like. What do you mean you can play a Hydra for 2020 on turn four? Like, how is that a thing? Might be an interesting question to sort of ask, because obviously there's like some division about whether or not people actually like what's been happening in Magic for the past few years. And there's probably some egregious card, but do you feel like sort of like the Magic we've seen recently, like in Standard before we had the ban, where people go like Omnath, Escape to the Wilds, into Genesis Ultimatum on like turn four? Do you think like, yeah, that's exciting magic i actually like that or i think personally it, i mean obviously it's bad for the format and that's why they took care of it but um like if that happens every once in a while it happens and like i can't get mad at somebody for making something amazing happen with just these random broken interactions that just cause your entire deck to spawn on the field on turn four like, yeah, so I like someone would, the first time you play against this deck, you'd be like, I can't even be mad at my opponent. This was amazing. Yeah, exactly. Like, you can't even be, I think I said it when we were talking about Inverter too. Like, I did, I loved Inverter at first because it's just so cool to watch it go off. And then it gets annoying after that. But like, that's the kind of magic I like to play is like, whoa, what just happened? That was amazing. That's the key thing. Uh, you hit it right on the head, Matt, uh, whether intentional or not. I think. To answer your question, Alex, it's a matter of how consistent it is in combination with how the checks and balances of the format interact with it. So 
if someone wants to go into Omnath and on turn four, same turn, go into Genesis Ultimatum, and that's possible, sure. If I have the tools to interact with it and prevent that from happening about as consistently as they have the answer or the, the ability to do that in turn four, then I have no problem with that at all. But when you get into the inverter territory where the consistency backed by all the tools on their end to counter your tools to stop them become overwhelming, which is what we saw with inverter, um, then yeah, I, I say you have to step in and that's dangerous for the format. So it just comes down to like, you know, and that's, we've always talked about this combo decks that are also control decks with the combo finish are the ones that are the most dangerous. Yeah. But like Alex, Brad, be honest. The first time you played against Invert, you can't tell me you didn't have a fun time just watching that deck go off. And then it got annoying very quickly, but the first time was just amazing. And you're like, wow, this is magic. I mean... Yeah, I felt the same way about uh, Scape Shift uh, into uh, Field of the Dead and Standard when that first came out. I thought that was amazing to watch. But then when you realize how consistent they were in getting it and getting all the zombies, uh, it's not as fun. Maybe I'm like a, a Dobby Downer here, but I totally didn't have this reaction to any of these decks. Because I'd already played Modern, so I'd seen Storm, I had seen Ad Nauseum, I had seen Scape Shift. It's like, yeah, this is just the same shit, but my answers are worse. Like, that's what, like, talking about, like, Brad's point, where it was sort of, like, uh, playing against, like, scapeshifted standard then. It's like, yeah, I've played plenty of games against scapeshift and modern, but here I don't have mana leak, thought seize, and cryptic command. So, I just lose. Yeah, I think we just need better answers. I mean, first um, time I saw those decks, like, in modern, like, the first time I saw someone go off with Amulet Titan, I was like, this is peak magic. Right, like I think it's mostly every deck seems silly once you've seen Amulet Titan because that deck does crazy things, but it's also crazy hard to pilot. So I'm like, wow, this person really knows what they're doing. Like I've played against someone who like bounced their Cavern of Souls to name Ogre and then played a Rurikthar and then picked it up again and put it on Giant and like went to their Primeval Titan and I was just like, I had a good hand, but I'm just being schooled, like. That's cool. I think to me, to me, it's part of how hard is it to execute. If I can watch someone play a deck like expertly, like, wow, that's cool. Like, yo, flip my deck upside down, play an oracle. Next game. Yeah. But before we go off into uh, the uh, dangers of uh, the format or magic in general, Alex, what is your favorite deck you've seen this year in Pioneer? Ooh. I mean, we've seen a lot of them, especially since the start of the format. Um, now, a deck that I've, like, so fairly recently that was quite cool was John Citadel, but I think, now thinking about it, my favorite deck's probably just Mono Black Aggro. Because it plays the type of magic, even though I don't play the deck, it plays the type of magic I love playing against. Like, it's good against control, because there's all the recursive threats, but as a control deck, you can, like, morph your deck and play in a certain way that, like, it just leads to very interesting magic, while at its core... It's just a creature-based aggro deck. So in that sense, I think it's like the perfect deck for me. Like this is the type of magic I like to see. Back and forth, one for one, creatures play to the board type of magic. Yeah, Mono Black is, I mean, we've seen it stay in the top, like what, four decks for the entirety of the format. Like it's yeah, pretty much it's... always been up there. It was great with Copter. Now, I'm glad to see Copter gone for a power level reason, 
But I will say the initial way when they played Copter, and it's like, hey, play a Copter and discard like a Bloodsoak Champion. It's like, hey, value, because that's recursible, right? I thought that was a really cool way to go about your deck, but it was just too powerful. But it still does like a very similar thing. I, I liked how they played um, the Nightwatch Merchant. Is that what it was called? Oh, Night Market Lookout. Night, yeah, okay. I'm, that, I might as well have said the right name. Uh, but yeah, uh, that that card was so cool. It was the stupidest little card, but the interaction was so consistent. It's like, yeah, crew it, ping you, crew it, ping you. Like, oh yeah, my god, getting an extra I mean, Night Market Lookout's just a really cool card. But I, I suppose this just kind of speaks to like the type of magic that you and I probably like. It's like I see someone like crewing a smuggler sculptor with their Night Market Lookout every turn to ping me for one. And I'm like, wow, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, it, I appreciate the little interactions. Um, which, I mean, obviously, my favorite deck, which it's not a surprise, similar to Matt, um, will always be Kepis. It's my favorite deck I've ever played. Of course, it's my favorite deck in the format. But, I mean, I would like to give a different answer as to Kepis, so I'm not just coughing out. Um, so for me, it may not have been a meta uh, deck. It wasn't, like, super flashy or anything. Well, maybe flashy isn't the right word, because it definitely was a little bit flashy. But that four-color humans list that had uh, Coco... That was kind that of was such a sweet a deck. Bit. Super cool deck. Probably my favorite deck to pop up in the format that I've seen outside of Capus, at least. Yeah, I forgot about that. Like that is such a sweet deck. And did you then? Did you then prefer the energy shell? So Glinsleaf Siphoner, Rogue Refiner, that shell. Hundred percent. I love Glinsleaf Siphoner so much as a card. Um, like I played that in my Hapatra deck in Standard. And uh, yeah, I I just I love that card. And I and again I love energy. So all right, so. On the next uh, subject, we made ourselves a, a little list. Um, so what was your favorite mechanic for you guys to show up this year? Uh, this could be, you could pick a new mechanic, or maybe it's like a returning mechanic that you just really like to see, like get a new set of cards this year. Uh, how about we start off with you, Brad? Um, my favorite mechanic this year, even though it was pretty underwhelming, to be honest, was Mutate. I thought it was super unique and it was really interesting, albeit a little bit confusing at first, especially with all the interactions. Like, have you looked at the rules page for Mutate when they came out with that? Like how long it is? Because they have to have new rules in place for every possible interaction with every other mechanic to ever exist in Magic with Mutate. It's yeah. wild. I'm so happy they brought out that little video because that just made everything clearer. Because I was so confused at the mechanic at first, but that video did like such a good job explaining it. I actually I have an article saved on my Reddit account that is extremely long. I, I thank the Lord that Reddit doesn't care about character limits because this post, <laughs> like you could not fit it on one screen, no matter how big of a screen you had. I mean, you have to scroll and scroll and scroll, and it's just every ruling that could possibly be for mutate and it's got everything in there and i just whenever somebody asks a question about mutate in our server i just link that and like here you go figure it out yourself because i'm not trying to figure this one out the one thing i don't like about mutate is and it's probably because the mechanic might otherwise not be strong enough for something but i always felt like almost everything about mutate was sort of like um how are you gonna say it? it's like works in a way that is sort of like friendly to you like it's it's a quite of a hard mechanic to punish even though it's a mechanic that says put all your eggs in one basket because kill it in response well 
the thing you were about to mutate just enters the battlefield. Are you going to bounce the pile while the whole pile comes back instead of like losing everything but the top card or something? It felt like sort of a very friendly mechanic in that regard, which when it was spoiled, I was like, this mechanic's going to be stupid because of that. It's like there's no favorable way to interact with it because everything is sort of in favor of the mutate player. But the mechanic turned out a lot more fair and balanced than I thought. So it's actually pretty cool in the end, yeah. I will say if you flicker something like a pile of cards that are all mutated, they do all come back separate and you Yeah, can't. they do come back separately. So if you there's just like if they have one creature that just is way too powerful, you can use like flicker of fate or something to separate them out to give yourself better targets to start pinging, but yeah, I mean, mutate's just a weird mechanic. I love it. It's a mechanic I don't want to see them do very often, like such complicated mechanics. I was very surprised one thing I really didn't like about Mutate is that I thought it was it's probably one of the more complex mechanics in Magic ever. Like, I, I would consider myself to be pretty good when it comes to rules and understanding complicated mechanics and interactions between complicated mechanics. But I, like, needed that, like, five-minute video essay to explain this mechanic to me. Well, at the same time, it was in, like, the big monster Godzilla set which you would expect is a set that gets new people into magic. So you make a set with an appeal to a non-magic audience, and then you immediately introduce them to one of the most complex mechanics we've ever had. And I think, too, you know, complex mechanics, When if you make something complex, you should make the players feel rewarded when they learn all the interactions, whereas, like, Mutate is just underpowered. So it's like, I went through all this time to learn all the complex interactions, and what do I get? I get Parcel Beast. <laughs> I but, mean, really. <laughs> I mean, going on Brad saying like it was his favorite mechanic of the year, and I do agree it's cool. It's, it's conceptually fun. very cool, and in practice, it plays out a lot better than I thought it would. Yeah, it's really, really cool. I love it. I want to see it come back in other sets. But I want It'll them... be a while, I'm sure. Oh, it'll be a while. But I want them to bring it back in a way where it's not so complex. Like, maybe not, maybe don't call it mutate. Maybe make a similar mechanic that doesn't have all these weird interactions. So it's easy to understand. What I do like about mutate is how, even when it comes back, it's a mechanic that's easier to bring back because it's not parasitic. All you need is a not human to slap this card on, which is like a very easy requirement to meet. And also means the cards stay more interesting later down the line. Yeah. All right. Uh, Matt, what was your favorite mechanic for this year? Okay. So I'm prepared for all the hate comments because I know this is going to get a lot of hate. But my favorite mechanic in terms of just like what do I like, not necessarily gameplay wise, but just as like a cool idea for a mechanic, companion post errata. I want to make it very clear. I do not like the companion rule as it was originally printed when they changed it now it becomes my favorite because i love having these cards that do cool things but they restrict your deck to being certain things like if yorian could just do what yorian does and there was no restriction whatsoever on him that would be a little broken same with luris but the fact that like yeah you can play luris but now you're restricted to only one and two drops or you can play yorian but you have to sacrifice some of your consistency to put an extra 20 cards in the deck. I think it's a really cool mechanic. I want to see it come back 
really, I do want to see it come back. I want to see it powered down a little bit when it comes back, but I do want to see it come back. It does feel like, like I, I agree with you. I think the mechanic is cool. It's just the likelihood of it coming back seems so slim to me because A, the backlash it received when it originally came out, and B, it just seems so hard to make it balanced without making them horrible. Like, look at the majority of the uh, companions now that yeah. uh, post-nerf are unplayable. Like, yeah. you have Luris, you have um, uh, Lorian, and then I guess, like, if you have the ability to, like, a lot of, like, control decks might play the uh, the Rainbow uh, Rainbow Elf. Yeah, Gigantha. Gigantha, like, randomly yeah. shows up in, like, Modern Tron. Because, like, oh, yeah, I can. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the only reason. Outside of that, though, like, uh, the, uh, oh, what was the one deck? The one, uh, Gadartha, whatever? G- uh, Garuda. Giganta? The, com- the combo deck. Yeah. I thought that Garuda, deck right? Was the so... even yeah. tribal. Dude, I love that deck so much, but it's, it's dead now. You can't do it because the whole, you, you could do a, like a place of them in the deck, but you lose all the consistency because the idea was having that guaranteed first one. Um, so it just seems so hard to balance and just, you know, be able to bring it back. If they can do it in a way that makes it fun and interesting, um, you know, cool. But I just, I, I don't see that happening. The other problem with them trying to bring it back is there's only so many ways you can force people to build around their decks before it just becomes unplayable anyway. Like, yeah, you can force them to play 20 extra cards or you can force them to have like a cost restriction on each card, but you can't. There are there's not an infinite number of different ways to force them to build a deck, so you can't just keep printing com- companions forever unless you start overlapping deck conditions. Yeah, that was a big problem I had with it. Where like, uh, for future reference, like, what else can we do? Like, we've sort of done the obvious ones: even cards, odd cards, bigger deck, uh, no duplicates, uh, that sort of thing. So we've done all that. So what's next and some people because i've talked uh, like on the server i've talked with people about this and some are like yeah you can just give people a different payoff for playing only even costed cards in their deck and that's true it just didn't i just didn't like it because it's sort of the consistency it broke what magic does but i i i can see from your point of view just the idea of like i want this weird deck building challenge is cool because we've seen people put like a weird card in their deck they want to build their deck around it they put it in as a four off and they just never draw it right and the concept just never works because you just don't draw your one cool card so what if this cool card just starts outside your deck and you can always put your wacky like against the odds deck together so maybe second time around they might have learned a lot of lessons uh maybe it comes back as a mechanic which like i could see this comeback as a mechanic that will just not be intended to be good but just fun. Like, maybe they should just try that. Like, hey, these companions, there's five in this set. They're all trash, but we've played with them. They're a blast to play with. If they do that, I think it can be super fun. I would just hope that next time they put companions in, and I know people wouldn't like this, but sort of purposely make them bad. Just make them cool. I think it would be cool if they did something sort of like how Commander does, where, like, they they have a mechanic similar to Companion. Maybe even they call it Companion. But the rule requirement is that every card in your deck has to share a color identity. 
And then if you have, like, so Luris is black and white, so every card in your deck has to be either black, white, or Orzhov. And then then it becomes your companion, like something like Commander. They could yep. easily do that as a normal companion requirement. They could just print, like, five companions and have, like, a few different color cycles. Like, every, every card in your deck, every uh, something, like, you just put a card in that says green, and it's like every colored mana symbol in your deck has to be green. Not even every colored mana symbol, but like it, but like yeah, but like that—that's a way because I don't think they want to print the word color identity on a card because it's officially, I think, not like ruled. Maybe it is. Maybe they could just say companion requirement: discard must share a color identity with the deck or something. Well, they could just say every card in your deck must share a color with this card. Yeah, that's what I mean—the color identity. That's how they rule it in Commander. It's called the yeah. card's color identity. Yeah. I'm saying something like that. That would be cool. Like you could have like five monocolored ones, and then later on you get the shards, and then later on you get the the um what the guilds and things like that. I think that would be kind of a cool way to go with command or companion in the future. You could do some kind of tribal uh, spin too. Uh, maybe not make it like two on the nose and just have your companion be a lord. But something that, you know, benefit like when it ETBs benefits of based on how many you have, but you have to have all your creatures meet this tribe. My problem is some of them become too easy to shoehorn in. Like, oh, you're playing an elf deck, you have to have the elf. Right? Like, and maybe it's yeah, sometimes and that's my problem with companion too. They can on one hand they enable wacky deck building. On the other hand, they restrict deck building too. Like if you have something like an elf one and it says every creature in your deck has to be an elf. Well, what if you want to board in scavenging ooze, right? Like, maybe you don't want to do that. What if your wind condition is greater hoof behemoth, right? Like, you can't do that because it's not an elf. So it can be, as I said, I think they should just, if they want to bring it back, just make them wacky. I'd even, like, I don't know, put it in an unset. Like, something silly. Like, do something cool and wacky with it because I think it's a mechanic with potential to be fun, but I don't like it as a competitive mechanic. If it's in an unset, it'll be like, your deck has to have pink sleeves or something. Oh, that would be hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I or, would actually really like that. Just in like a secret lair style, like the My Little Pony. Would you do something stupid with it? Oh, card, you must have pink sleeves. I like that a lot. The, this All card, right. before the game begins, you reveal this card and hide it somewhere in the room. Your opponent has five minutes to find it. If they don't <laughs> find it, it's your companion. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god and it costs like zero mana and like you, like you get it on the board and then you can just it's like an ash blossom on a body at all times <laughs> oh beautiful <laughs> all right um alex what was your favorite mechanic this year yeah so i'll uh i've cheated i have two but one is because it's a returning mechanic and it's cycling cycling's awesome move along um for like cycling is one of my favorite mechanics of all time, and I think a lot of people share that sentiment. Uh, for a new, interesting mechanic, and this is a mechanic I am shocked that I enjoy playing with so much, and it's modal double-faced cards. I hated this concept. When I saw the first modal double-faced card, I was like, holy crap, this is horrible. It's way too clunky to play with. It's hard to understand for like new people because like they see a card and then they just see like on the back it's printed like four mana instant. It's like, what does this do? And then it's like take it out and flip it around. 
And now I think some of these concepts are still like legitimate. Like that it's I think they're still legitimate criticisms. But in small numbers, they have been very fun. And for me, that's mostly and I think I think all of them are. Well, I mean like the pathways are okay lands. They're fine. But just the spell land side, I've been running like four or five in my control deck at all time. They're actually just really fun to play with. They smooth out your deck, so they get rid of some of that inconsistency. Um, but in a not as powerful way, right? I like the fact that they are like bad on both sides. Like Hagramalling is four mana murder or a tapped swamp. Like that's not good. But the um, the uh, consistency, sort of like how consistent it makes your deck, that's what makes the card powerful. My only problem with the mechanic is that if we get too much of it it becomes the worst mechanic of all time. So I know we're going to get more this year. I would not want to see a standard environment where 30 cards in your deck are double-faced. Because that's going to be a mess to play with. But when a deck has like six or seven double-faced cards, it actually plays out so much more fun than I ever thought it would when I saw the mechanic. Yeah, I don't want this mechanic to be evergreen. Because I think oversaturation would would be a huge problem. But like every now and then, um, like after this year, or let me rephrase, after next year, because we're getting them in Kaldheim, uh, I hope we don't see them again for another two years. For years. Yeah, I don't want to see it again for years. Also because at one point, they would find, they would have no more ways to wake them weak. So either they're going to make them trash, or you end up with a bunch that are way too powerful. And I like the general balance where they're at now, I like a lot. I think they're very well-balanced cards. Do you think we're going to see a modal uh, flip Planeswalker ever? I hope not, to be honest. Um, I mean, it could work, right? Where it's like three mana on one side, seven mana on the other. But I feel like that's going to be horrible to balance because you need the mana costs to be very different, right? Like if it's like a four drop or a five drop, who cares, right? It's probably going to be a very similar card. So it's going to have to be like a 3-drop or a 7-drop. But as I... Who brought it up? Was it Adrian when he was on the episode who brought up how hard it is to balance low-mana Planeswalkers? Yeah, that was So like, low-mana Planeswalkers tend to be very powerful because just their efficiency. So now they're going to be powerful early, but then they're also not going to be bad top decks because they're 7-mana on the other side. That seems very hard to balance. What if they did a... um... And you also so get the like point, why wouldn't they be two cards? Like, if it's yeah. like a three-mana Teferi on one side and a seven-mana Teferi on the other side, like, these could have just been two cards. What if it's like the land idea, where it's a tap land or a planeswalker? Or even if it's just like a planeswalker and then like a kill spell on the other side? I think, I mean, that might work. The main thing I have, where I feel like if you do the modal face cards right, which is generally what I like about these, is that both sides are simple. Because you need to understand what's on the back of your card while also being able to comprehend all the text that's on the front of your card. So, sure, you could have like a planeswalker on the front side and murder on the back, because murder is like the simplest card of all time. But do you, ne- do you have to? A problem I get with that is sort of the just because you can doesn't mean you should problem. I sort of like the idea, like what they did with like Jace Vrin's Prodigy, where you have a creature on one side and a planeswalker on the other. 
Yeah, like that's how I find it a better way to do it because it makes sense. And then you can just have the creature on the one side. Like maybe it gets one of the abilities that the Planeswalker has is like an activated ability. So you can either cast it early to get one ability or you can wait till later cast the other side to get all of the abilities. Yeah, it could like tap for its plus ability. Right. And then if you want to get all the other things, that's going to have to, you're going to have to spend more mana on that. Right. Yeah, I could see that. I think that's a cool way to balance it. So again, I feel like this mechanic has potential. My only problem with this deck, this mechanic is that oversaturation will be a problem if we do it too often or if the cards end up being too powerful. I like the fact that most of them are bad or that a lot of them are niche. Where it's like, yeah, Valakut's Awakening is a pretty good card, but it's not going to even be close into any red deck, right? It takes a specific deck. So where, for example, a card like Spike Field Hazard is a little more dangerous if we get too many of those. Well, moving on from our favorite uh, mechanics, I mean, we all have some pretty good ones. Now, the one thing that we did have over the last year, we had a lot of new mechanics, some returning ones and things like that. Now, was there anything that you guys missed, meaning you wish they brought something, whether it's a mechanic, uh, support for something or whatever uh, in in a set, Um, or even just something as simple as like a just, you know, help for control decks or something like that. Alex, we'll start with you. So, I mean, uh, Brad had an, I'm sorry, Matt had an answer that people might hate with the favorite mechanics being companion. I really missed having some Eldrazi on Zendikar. Now, I'm sure a lot of people will hate that because they think back of Oath to the Gatewatch and Eldrazi Winter. I personally think Eldrazi are pretty cool. And I also think that they should have acknowledged how huge these creatures were story-wise, right? The Eldrazi were massive story-wise. And the fact that we just get, like, a statue of, like, what is it, like, Ulamog looking sad? which is, like, the only Eldrazi thing we got. Like, I would have loved to see just one, at least one or two, just, like, big beaters uh, that were still, like, and the flavor text is something like, oh, you know, after the Eldrazi Titans have come, like, some Eldrazi had become so powerful that they actually didn't need, like, Emrakul to be around to sustain them or something. Just some big beaters. I wanted to have them sort of, like, a last hurrah. And they were kind of just, like, forgotten. Yeah, and you could have easily they could have done like um like story spotlight on like one of these big beaters and then had it like be like yeah. two out of whatever. And then a later card could have just been like them killing that last Eldrazi oh, and finally yeah, the Eldrazi perfect. no more in in its Zendikar. I think there is a card with um where Nahiri sort of like puts all these hedrons around Jace so he can't move. That could have just been like an Eldrazi slowly turning to stone instead. Right? So they wouldn't have even had yeah. to make like a special card. Even if they just did that and didn't even give us an Eldrazi creature, right? Just, like, show these cards and not just on a sad monument. Which is a cool card, though. We could have uh, Eldrazi appear in your mono green deck. Hey. I think that's why they didn't, to an extent. Well, I have Eldrazi that already appeared in the deck. Yeah, but you're shoehorning a Shia. We could have shoehorned in another, uh, another big old beater, like Alex I, is saying. I, th- I think a big problem they have bringing the Eldrazi back, which is probably how they... Um, because in Oath of the Gatewatch, so in the second set, they introduced colorless mana as a concept. Um, and I think in Battle for Zendikar, they were devoid instead. 
because otherwise they don't really make sense. So that means that if you want to bring a couple of Eldrazi in, you either need to make them colorless with just nothing, no colorless mana, but just generic mana, which would be probably kind of out, kind of strange because they were sort of made more complex in Battle for Zendikar. Or they have to print a card with the Void on, and they never like really bring back mechanics. Or they would have had to make one with a colorless mana symbol, and then they have to put wastes in the draft packs, which also doesn't make sense. Now, you could just describe the Void, like how Tireless Tracker had Landfall without being a Landfall card. So maybe they could have gone that. I think they could have done it, and I think they should have done it. That's really what it boils down to. Yeah. Um, for me, uh, I was really missing like true zombie support. It's been a while since we got some good zombie cards or things that could actually just go into a nice zombie deck. And we've gotten things like last year, we got like Rotting Registrar, but like that doesn't see play in a zombie deck too much. Um, but it's just a cool zombie. And we get random zombies here and there, and you have this kind of like hope of like maybe it can work. And what was it? Uh, that for uh, this last uh, core set, we got some pseudo zombie support, but it was just like bad zombie support where it's not even good enough to see playing standard. So yeah, that Liliana's nice. warlock guy or something who only gave power and wasn't a zombie himself. Yeah, he was a human warlock, and yeah, uh, it wasn't very good. And then you got uh, the dreadbearer or whatever, the standard um, bearer. That, that one's like, okay. Yeah, the flash one. But you'd rather just play midnight reaper though. Um, it's just Minary Brew is just better, but yeah, we just I want something along the lines of the power level of like what we got in Amonkhet, like Dread Wanderer, uh, Wardly Accursed. Those are just good zombie cards. They're not obscenely overpowered. I I would like a two mana lord though. Can we give zombies a two mana lord finally, please? Every other tribe has one. Like why not zombies? I mean. Maybe they could have just printed, like, I mean, just literally do the vampire one, right? But then zombies, do it like an Orzhov one. Because this set it like sort of a Liliana throwback too, right? Couldn't have just made like a vision of Amonkhet and it's like, hey, cool, look at this zombie doing zombie things. Then it's make it a zombie, it's black, white, zombies get plus two, plus one, plus one. That's it. Yeah, just the simple. I don't even know if that was good enough, but just throw some more support at the tribe. Yeah. Uh, just something or something creative um like uh like the stuff we got in shadows of Rannistrad and and uh and things like that were really cool uh but yeah yeah those were awesome cards uh matt did you have anything that you uh missed this year uh i have sort of two answers that are kind of related so one i just feel like we didn't with the exception of the dual modal lands i think they're called you you know what I mean. The lands that are different on either side. Yeah, modal double-faced cards. Rolls well, off the tongue. Well, the ones that are specifically lands on either side. You know, you have the... Yeah, the yeah, yeah. The, 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 the pathway lands yeah, the and path the bolt lands. So, with the exception of those, we just didn't get any good lands this year. I feel like. Like, those were pretty good, and then we just got more of the same. We got... Temples! We got Triumphs. I thought Triumphs are pretty good. I mean, but Triumphs are just fancy doubles. Fancy duels, in my opinion. I, I, I'm salty we don't have a Grixis Triumph yet. So, I just... Yeah, I, Strixhaven, baby. But, but, 
you know, especially in Zendikar, we had a Zendikar set this year. Zendikar known for giving us cool lands, and what did we get? We got the flip. We got the Pathlands. We, we got, got the crawling bear and a colorless one. That's about it, I think. Yeah, I mean, uh, just yeah. looking at looking at previous years when they're printing stuff like Nykthos, they're printing the Allied Fastlands, the the Shocklands, the all those, and then this year we just got lands that tap for an extra color with the triomes and we got lands that can be two different colors depending on how you want to pick them now i mean i i understand your point but i will play devil's advocate for a moment and i'm going to think back all the way let's go to amaket or actually no, let's go to kaladesh i guess kaladesh nather so we got the allied fast lands then we got the bicycle lands or bicycle haha pun um from amaket then we got check lands in ixalan then dominaria then we moved into getting what were the lands in the course yeah, but i I, I think i think you're missing part of matt's point because if we go over the same things in um in kaladesh we got inventor's fair uh sequestered stash uh in amonkhet we had the deserts like the sec deserts the ping desert the counter desert, a cradle of the accursed that like became a zombie when it died. We had more sort of cute lands. Like sure, the rare cycles generally just going to be lands that tap for different colors. But I felt also like what Matt said, like even like in Dominaria got like Zalafrin Void, which like colorless comes in but scries. And there were a few more yeah, lands cool. in previous years where I saw them. And I was like, ooh, cool. And I think yeah, I agree with Matt. I haven't had that as much this year. Maybe I didn't look out for it as much. Maybe I'm missing some, but I can see where Matt's coming from in that regard. The dog, cat, snake one from... Uh... Yeah, that one was oh, cool. Ikoria, yeah. the one with like, yeah. Yeah, beasts, cats, that one. Didn't it also just yeah. say like ox on it or something? It just was goat, like something weird. Like... Yeah, and it's like, put a, put a plus one, plus one counter on all of these types of creatures. And you're like, uh, sure. But yeah, I... I would like to see an, another Inventor's Fair, actually, now that you're reminding me about that card. That, that's a cool card. Is, so is that what sort of what you were going for, Matt? What I said? Yeah. Like, you just want it more like, like, ooh, uncommons. Yeah, like cute card, cute land cards that do fun stuff, you know? They don't necessarily have to be broken. I'm not asking for, like, fetches and Pioneer. Just something that does something fun and isn't just, oh, look at this, it's another land that you can tap for either green or black mana. You know? I think that's fair. And your and second point? My second point was I just felt like, and this is a, this might be a little bit more controversial, I felt like Planeswalkers this year were very hit or miss as well. Like, we had, obviously, I don't want, like, War of the Spark Planeswalkers where they're all just super pushed, broken. But this year it was like every Planeswalker we got was either an instant four of in any deck that could run it or just unplayable. And we didn't get any sort of those middle planeswalkers that are just kind of cool to have if you have the room, but you don't have to play them, but they're not bad either. Can you give me yeah. an example of a like, instant four planeswalker? To disagree, but I thought most planeswalkers this year were cool. Well, I'm thinking, and maybe this is just the bias because the most recent set was Zendikar Rising, which had three planeswalkers, which are just bad and just don't see any play. So maybe Luca was an instant four off. Yeah, Luca. Luca did something broken. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like they were all either Luca level or they were Zendikar Rising, Jace, Nissa, Nahiri level of just like uh, play them. I mean, 
What about the Theros ones? Uh, Calyx is cool in enchant enchantment decks, and then uh, Ashiok is just a really solid five-drop Planeswalker. It's like, I liked that. I'm kind of glad they went back into some sense to that traditional, like, this Planeswalker comes down and does a cool thing and just does value things, but not overtly broken. And I thought Ashiok was that sweet spot that you're talking about, right in the middle ground. Right, but most of the Planeswalkers weren't Ashiok. They were Luka or they were bad. Is what I'm saying. Like I want, I want planeswalkers that are just sort of fun, balanced. They can be played if you have the room for them. You don't have to. I'm not asking for like another Nissa who shakes the world or another car in the Great Creator or Oko. I'm asking for for more like Ashiok. I just I will say value value planeswalkers who don't just instantly win the game and aren't just instant. You must play this planeswalker if you're playing this deck, but just fun extra little additions to decks. I thought the um, M21 course uh, Planeswalkers were almost all home runs. Like, I thought they were really cool. Uh, they were balanced. There are certain decks that really like them. Maybe they are ever so slightly underpowered because we don't really see them. But, like, they would also be hard to balance. Like, if the Fairy Master of Time comes in with one extra loyalty, it could suddenly be, like, a ridiculous card. Because balancing Planeswalkers can be on a knife's edge. I think I think most of the core 21 ones were cool, though. Especially Liliana, Waker of the Dead. I think that's a super I, cool card. Yeah, I would argue that Liliana is extremely underrated and, like, underplayed in Pioneer. I think the decks I've seen it go in, the decks I've seen it, like, in action it is a scary planeswalker and on paper it doesn't look that great you're like oh it's a four mana uh liliana of the veil but it's it's more than that it's it's, I, a, good, it's a good card well i think uh liliana waker of the dead at the time when it was spoiled a lot of people called it the pioneer equivalent of liliana of the veil right because modern is a more powerful format so liliana of the veil is a more powerful planeswalker i think that's actually kind of true but Liliana of the Veil doesn't see that much play either anymore because of design nowadays, how it's going. Uh, Liliana of the Veil just isn't as good of a card as it was, say, three years ago. And I think Liliana Waker of the Dead is the exact same. If this card, if this was Liliana's printing in Amonkhet, it would have been a really, really good card. But because it's, oh, it's printing in Corset 2021, it's not. I... And I think that's the difference. So I guess maybe I should restate my point because I don't think it came across as clearly as I could have. What I meant is like you look at like War of the Spark Planeswalkers where every single one of them is just massively pushed and are played everywhere. And then you look at something like Zendikar Rising where all of the Planeswalkers are just not good at all and haven't seen any play. I think Nyssa showed up once in a challenge. The new Nyssa did. And the other ones just haven't seen any play at all. And I think, Alex, you're right. Like, M21, I want every set to have, like, M21 Planeswalkers, where they're not War of the Spark Nissa, but they're also not Zendikar Nissa. They're yeah, just... they're, not, they're not like, your deck is black, so you, you sort of want them, to, you just want them to be optional. Your deck is black, so you should look and see if Liliana Waker of the Dead is good for your deck. And sometimes it actually is. Whereas if you look at Zendikar Jace, your deck's blue. Would Jace be good enough? It's probably not because the card's shit. Right, exactly. Like, sort of like, these are cool cards that can go into decks, but uh, another good example is like, no mono green list that I'm aware of right now 
doesn't just benefit from having Nissa who shakes the world in there. Like it's always a benefit with no downside ever. Whereas like I would like to see a Nissa where like some mono green lists really like Nissa and some don't. Sort of like how Garrick is, where like some mono green lists really like Garrick and some Garrick isn't really what they're trying to do. Yeah. I mean I think I think that's a I fair point. Look at, like, um, I mean, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I mean you look at like Vivian from Ikoria. I thought that was a pretty cool planeswalker, and I think a lot of cards in Ikoria never got a fair chance in Pioneer and still haven't because, like, the moment of Ikoria's release is passed, and it was so overshadowed by companions and, like, Luca, I guess, that we just kind of, like, never really went back to experiment. So I'm kind of a little sad by that, and I'm hoping that we kind of rediscover as a format collectively, rediscover some powerful cards in Ikoria because I think they're there. I really do. Well, not only right, that. So, so how about next week? We pick a, we all find five cards from Ikoria that we think are underexplored, and we can make a short, a small segment next week. Yeah, I w- dead. Yep, down. down for that. The other problem I would say with Ikoria too, Brad, is like it released middle of April. I want to say somewhere around that time, whereas like coronavirus really hit toward the end of March, so it's like everybody was in a panic about coronavirus, and Ikoria was sort of the last thing on people's minds at the time. Because there weren't in-game events, it hadn't moved to digital really yet. It was just sort of magic wasn't being played. So Ikoria was sort of that set that just kind of got shafted by 2020, I think. Yeah, that it was just an underwhelming set in general. So it got like, it it was batting a thousand for literally all the worst things that could happen to a set for its release. So yeah, I agree with you on that. All right, so everybody, tune in next week. And we will find some sweet Ikoria gems for you to explore. Yeah, I'm actually excited for that. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm honestly excited. I was thinking about it. it's like, wait, there's so many mutate creatures I don't actually remember. So there's probably one that's actually really good that I'm not thinking of right now. I mean, yeah, with Uro is just stupid. Which one? Which met? one with Uro? Parcel Beast with Uro. It's the one where you pay. So you can either pay four to play it, or it's two for the mutate, and then you tap it to reveal the top card of your library. If it's a land, it goes onto the field, and if it's not a land, it goes into your hand. It's basically Risen Reef, but as an activated ability instead of a triggered ability. That's another card I like that like should be played more in Pioneer, Risen Reef. I think Elementals. Oh, I never I never put together an Elemental deck after Zendikar. I, I think the Crew 3 podcast has made an Elemental deck. And I think they've done like a write-up and a deck deck of it. I haven't watched it, but might be a fun one to check out. Yeah. Well, moving on. Um, now, this is a little bit more of a downer of a topic. Uh, do you have any worries for the format? Um, obviously, again, we've seen the ups and downs of Pioneer. We've seen it at its highest and its best when you look at the first like month or two of like the concept bannings, uh, good bannings, by the way, um, and just the ebb, ebb and flow and a changing of the format itself and all these just cool decks. We saw that. But we also saw the uh, the combo spring slash summer that just lasted five, almost six months. Um so we've definitely seen the worst part of Pioneer as well. Moving forward, though, do you have any worries in, for Pioneer in general? Like, what are you afraid of? Uh, Alex, we'll start with you. My biggest worry for Pioneer, and this is probably, this is probably a good thing, uh, because one of my main worries for 
Pioneer. It's more like a worry with magic in general. So it's not really a bad sign for Pioneer per se, specifically. It's that interaction in the future, or like, does interaction still matter come next year? Um, and I think the abundance of this is, for example, cards that draw cards for no reason. The new Omnath should not draw you a card. I have no idea why it does. It's a 4-mana 4-4 that gains you 4 life every turn, and if you play a Fabled Passage after it, it's literally 0 mana, because it immediately gives its mana back. I don't get why that card draws a card. Um, Teferi, Bounce, draws you a card. Why? The card would probably be fine if it doesn't, because the static ability is ridiculously powerful. Yeah, um, it was just bounce a, uh, a target. Just bounce just whatever. bounce a thing. I mean, at that point, it might even be okay for it to bounce all their planeswalkers, but it's probably good it doesn't do that. Um, yeah, if it but, bounces like target permanent. Yeah, but well, probably not land permanent, but I know. No, let it bounce lands. <laughs> but like the point where if interaction matters, I was recently like four color reclamation, for example, is a deck that's coming up. And now I don't think there's a particular problem with the card expansion explosion, but like if you combine it with wilderness reclamation, I've had games where I go one for one and I try desperately to stop them at the whole time. And I've got notion thieves and counter spells, and I have to like work my ass off to not immediately get buried by Teferi resolving. And then they cast an expansion explosion for eight, and I'm like, why did I even bother? Right? Like, why did I even bother to interact with my opponent? Because they now randomly eight for one me. And in that sense, it's all the one for one nonsense, the Uro that keeps coming back. Like, I hope magic becomes more interactive come next year. And I'm afraid it's going to go the other way, which we've seen because the recent standard sets, like Pioneer to an extent, is standard on steroids. And now a lot of people are like, yeah, that's how you want it. You, don't, you want it to be standard plus, not modern light, which I agree with completely. But at this point, Pioneer is standard 2019 and onward plus. But it's like, there's years worth of sets before this, and they hardly matter. Because the best thing to do is to grab whatever has been good in the past two years and just race. And I'm worried that's going to become the only way to play Pioneer, rather than the preferred way. No, I can get that. Um, actually, side note, Alex, real quick. Omitting Fatal yes. Push and Thoughtseize. Name a card from pre twenty seventeen that is played. Burning Tree right Emissary. Now. Oh, what the fuck! That's stupid. <laughs> Elvish Mystic. <laughs> okay. Ran a wire. Silver Carry. Silver How about a non-green card? Fuck. Let's take a Deathrite Shaman. That's also green. Uh, <laughs> wait. There's two Nahiri. The the new Nahiri. Uh, no, old Nahiri. Sorry. Uh, the angry Nahiri. Oh, That's he playing. It's <laughs> <laughs> angry and yeah. hairy. Grumpy. But yeah, it's it's kind of hard to be honest. When I think of the mainstays of the format, the first things, uh, Bloodsoak Champion. But the first things that come to mind are recent cards, almost all of them. Yeah, the only one I can think of that isn't uh, green or Thoughtseize or Fatal Push is uh, probably Dig Through Time. And oh like, yes, how, how did I forget that's... that? <laughs> Mr. Grixis player over here forgets about his most broken card available in the format. <laughs> Which, okay, I will say though, and I, I'm, I've said it before, uh, as far as like Dick Through Time eventually will have to get banned 
Um, I, th- I think it's inevitable. doesn't matter if it's a year from now or five years from now for Pioneer. It's just that kind of car that over time it gets better and better. But I am so happy that Pioneer is in a spot where no one gives a flying fuck that Dick Through Time exists in the format. Yeah. No one cares. No one's calling uh, for that car to get banned. Until they mess up once and reprint Dome Scour. I know Thought Scour. And reprint Thought Scour. And it's like, oops, <laughs> it's immediately banned. <laughs> or like a similar card. <laughs> Can, can you? I could just see uh, Wizard of the Coast just releasing like a like an emergency article, like okay, addressing the Thought Scour ban or Thought Scour like <laughs> printing, and all they put for Pioneer is just "oops," and that's not, that's the entire article, just the word "oops," <laughs> and just put the shrug emoji. Oh, we, my, sorry guys, and it's not even a ban announcement. It's literally just like no. Like, and oh, then okay, next week it's a ban Pioneer. announcement banning Dick through time. Um, <laughs> the <laughs> treasure <laughs> treasure cruise in ArcLight Phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> and then they banned Tome Scour a year from now, and everyone's like, "What the fuck?" Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Well, yeah, I get, I can see that happening. Um, I guess as far as like my worries for the format, it kind of well, I was, I was into kind of worrying. I would like to oh, no, quickly ahead. ask Matt's two yeah. cents because I was like, Matt kind of likes the flashier magic, when obviously I oh, much true. more prefer the one for one fair magic. Like I really like playing against mono black. If I think of like the type of magic that Matt wants to play against, I can imagine he has a very different take on this. Well, okay. So, flashy magic that's bad for the format is bad for the format, and it should go. Flashy magic that is flashy, but it's janky, and it doesn't always work, but when it works, it's really fun, and it's not, like, number one winning every challenge and winning all the Friday Night Magics. I think that's fine. But, Alex, when you go into, like, the examples that you went into like i would agree that 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 is a worry of mine because flashy magic that wins every game is still bad i mean i still don't want it banned immediately i want to see it go off first and then it can get banned but you know sort of like you know i'm not gonna sit here and say i didn't want inverter banned after you know a month of it being in the format because i did you know but i'm i I was just saying, like, Inverter is just a fun deck to watch go off the first time you see it. Same with, like, Storm in Modern. Like, and I'm not saying Storm should be banned. But, like, it's fun to watch go off until you realize that every other match you play, you're going to have to sit there for 15 minutes while Storm goes off. So bring a book with you to read while they're taking their turn. <laughs> you know, if, you've got, if you're in college and you have to finish up your essay, bring your laptop with you. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. You know. But flashy magic that isn't super broken is fun magic, you know. It's just, so, I agree that I do worry about that a little bit. It's not my biggest worry, but, you know, I can agree with Alex to an, to an extent. All right, so Brad, what about you? What's your worry? Potential um, worry. So, yeah, so it bleeds into a little bit what we're talking about with, like, the big flashy plays and everything. Um, so, my worry specifically is not necessarily that the flashy plays exist, but an over-dependence on this go-big strategy to be basically be like, that's the only thing you can do in the format, nothing else, in combination with no answers being printed into the format to bring that, like, almost to humble the, uh, the, the go-big strategies, you know? Uh, instead of just saying, like, oh, just whatever, do whatever you want. Um, and, like, we have Omnath, and we talked about this earlier. And I, I agree with you, by the way. Omnath should not draw a card. That doesn't make sense. It literally doesn't make sense. 
like I play four color wreck right now on paper. And uh, every time I cast Omnath, 50% of the time, I forget the draw. Because I just forget <laughs> that it does that because it, it should, should do this. Yeah. Um, I feel wrong. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm just like, okay, Omnath. And my opponent's like, you're going to draw? I'm like, oh, yeah. He, what the fuck? Sure. <laughs> I mean, I was fine with just <laughs> playing him for what he is. You're letting me draw a card? Oh, my goodness. Um, but yeah, even with that existing in the format, if we have the proper checks and balances to say no to it from time to time again, like traditional ramp, like I'm okay with that. The other side of that though is a proper combo deck uh, that's not Lotus Field to maybe you know sort of exist in the uh, in the format, something like that. I don't know. Maybe sort of this. like return from from the dead. Yeah, yeah. How yeah, about yeah, how about you just? How about you XL two legendary cards so you get your Kethas back? Okay, so uh, I'll sacrifice we're gonna, to we're, Fairy we're, and Omnath. Let's do it. <laughs> we're going to ban two <laughs> legendaries to get Kethas back. Dude, I would... Yeah, to Fairy It's the Omnath. only you way. Because, okay, this is the problem. Because, like, Teferi is what protects Kethas. And it was Brad, please be careful about not going... You know, one, one day we're going to make a podcast, going to make a bonus episode. And it's gonna be just like we can have Brad go on the loose about Kethis. It's like Brad, this saying... is your this is your hour, and then Matt and I just leave. Okay. <laughs> <Bye guys. laughs> Brad just sits there you, you and a... rants. You put because uh, okay, so Alex has his camera on, so put he's a cardboard just put cut his out pillow. No, I was gonna say you're gonna put your pillow in your seat and then put a shirt over the pillow and then just leave. <laughs> and just, like I, I can't tell a difference. <laughs> Hey, but yeah, the, my face yeah, doesn't my... look like a pillow. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you ask your girlfriend, she might she might uh, be inclined to tell you yes. I'll ask. I was giving. If she were if she were awake, I'd have rung her up right now. Babe, do I look like a pillow? She's like, yeah, kinda. And then I would just hang up uh, and leave. <laughs> Matt, did you get my joke? Yeah, I got it. Okay, like what the f Alex? I guess I missed something like here. Your face is a pillow. Oh, uh, wait, no. I mean that's not the best joke. It'd be more of a seat cushion. For some reason I was imagining a pillow so I was imagining the pillow in your chair, so I'm imagining the pillow as a seat cushion essentially, which is why I thought the joke worked way better than it did. So I'm also fucking stupid. <laughs> so we're just gonna pretend this segment didn't happen. This segment oh, no, won't be in the this segment won't be in the release, so don't worry about it. Oh, no, it will be because Brad is the editor. Yeah, it, it's going to be. And I'm leaving the whole part of this right now where we're saying it's not going to be. F*** you guys, I'm keeping it in. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, we are. We all know about the worries we have for the format. and uh, But these are not worries that are just like doom and gloom. Like we're just terrified for Pioneer. These are things that can easily be, you know, can checked and balanced over at wizards and kept track of and printed answers like for example on the drive home uh, i hopped in a voice call with you guys for the pre-podcast kind of like uh, setting up or like prepping what we're going to do and um we kind of were talking about mono white life game uh, which i guess we'll bring this up in a little bit because alex you found a cool mono white list uh for one of the pioneer leagues or challenges um and I was saying, like, it'd be cool if we got that one drop from Historic, uh, the, what's, what's it called, Alex? Sarah's Ascendant. 
Yeah, so Sarah's Ascendant as well as the uh, Soul Sister. It'd be cool if we got those for Pioneer because it'd be nice to see a cool uh, mono-white deck that was actually viable. Um, and uh, the worry that they might Wizards might have in printing that into Standard, because I truly don't think either of those cards would be busted in Standard. It'd be a deck, sure, but it wouldn't be broken. Um, but if you really, really want to keep the checks and balances, just reprint Fatal Push into Standard in that same set. And be like, yeah, there's uh there it is. So like just like that. I mean, we can wizards can definitely make this, you know, a balanced uh balanced game. We've done it before. Yeah, of course. But uh not to focus on the negative so much. Um wait, uh, I, heard, I, Matt, I get to say my worries. I thought you did. I'm sorry. I heard you talk. Yeah, I was telling you that I understand. I mean it's a podcast, Brad. We're supposed to. That's true. It's just like I heard Charlie Brown's parents in the background. I'm like, yeah, Matt, set his piece. Okay, we can move on now. No, what's your worry? Okay. <laughs> we stopped for you. <laughs> no, I'm a little worried that because Pioneer right now, sort of the thing that it's known for is it's the fair format, quote unquote, I think a lot of people feel. But it's also sort of the I don't know how I want to put it. I guess my worry is that Pioneer is going to evolve into sort of a fan run format where they're going to start slinging bans not because cards are actually objectively bad for the format but because they're just tired of listening to people complain about these cards because Pioneer sort of has this weird sort of status is like well it's standard plus but it doesn't rotate like standard so if a card's a little broken but it's not super bad they can't just wait for it to rotate out whereas like modern you know they have to sort of throw bands at modern i don't i'm having trouble clarifying what i mean i'm worried i i I think i might be able to uh to help I i think the best example of this for me would be teferi like teferi everybody wants Everybody either wants to fairy band or they play to fairy or they play to fairy and they want to fairy ban. But like to me, to fairy just isn't that bad. Like, I mean, I get that it can be oppressive against certain decks, but also there are a lot of decks that just don't care about to fairy. And like, that's cool. I don't interact with you very much anyway. So like, I'm worried that they're going to ban a card like to fairy, not because it's like, breaking the format but because they just don't want to listen to people complain anymore and then pioneer becomes not the fair format anymore it becomes the community run format where you get to play cards that the community likes and not cards that are actually fair magic yeah i i get what you mean because at the sake for eternal for like now all right i'll admit it i'm in a cup i would like to see teferi go for numerous reasons not just because i hate the card but for a large part because i hate the card but I get what you mean, where modern is also like, that was otherwise the eternal format after standard. And modern, when people complain about a certain deck, like the rest of the community sort of has more of this like, screw you, just deal with it attitude. Right. Where Pioneer has the sort of more modern attitude to video games or games, it's kind of a video game right now too, eh? That people are like, I don't like this game developer, please change it. Right, exactly. So the attitude is different. Even though they're both eternal formats, Pioneer might have a bit of a different mindset, or you're at least afraid that that's going to be the mindset in the future. 
Well, yeah, because, I mean, I look at, I mean, on the server, we have a Pioneer channel, and we discuss, you know, it's for looking for games, but we also discuss metagame stuff in there. And about once every other day, somebody in there starts complaining about Teferi, and then a whole bunch of people jump on it and say, yeah, Teferi should be banned. And then me and some other people jump on it and say, but why should it be banned? And their argument always boils down to, because it beats my deck, so I don't like it. Basically. Because they're like, well, it's oppressive for all the other decks. And I'm just like, mono green, does not care about Teferi. Like, wow, you've you've stopped me from interacting with a deck that has zero interaction. You know, it's like, that's what I'm worried about is banning cards because people don't like the card because it beats their deck and not because it's oppressive for the entire format. Uro is another example. I feel like Uro has a better case to be banned, but I also don't feel like it's done enough in Pioneer yet to be absolutely bannable. Yeah, I see. And yet people are calling for Uro to be banned like right now. I mean, for me, I think the better example for that is Thoughtseize. Where people yeah. want Thoughtseize banned, even though that is like it's literally the epitome of a fair card. Right, exactly. Thoughtseize is the fairest card ever printed in Magic. That was a joke, but it's also kind of true. It's it is like oh no, I, I agree with you. It is card. the it is the epitome of a fair Magic card, I think. But yeah, like Thoughtseize is another good example of like there are cards that thought like Thoughtseize to an extent kind of beats mono green, but I'm not out there shouting that Thoughtseize should be banned because I can't play my cards because you Thoughtseize me. Yeah, I think it just comes down to uh, better answers. But then the problem with the better answers argument is just like to ferry on resolution stops your better answers because a lot of times against a card like to ferry, you're like counter spells, but he shuts off that entire dynamic. Um, Again, I don't think Teferi is necessarily in a place where I say he should be banned, but I will say, you know, I don't really care if he does get banned. I mean, outside of my own personal investment of buying the playset, whatever. It's I mean, it I don't go, go. I don't necessarily care one way or the other if Teferi specifically gets banned because I do see the argument of like it does just make every deck it's in work while simultaneously shutting down a bunch of other decks. So maybe it's hit that critical mass of like it does enough to get banned, even if it doesn't wreck every other every deck it's up against. But I'm worried that there are going to be other cards that don't break the format, but people just don't like them. Sort of like what was that card you talked about, Alex? That they banned in Modern because people didn't like to play against it. No, it was in Standard. It was Aetherworks Marvel. Yeah, Aetherworks Marvel. Like I'm yeah. worried that's going to become what Pioneer becomes because I'm worried that it's going to be the fan format of like. We're going to make this what you guys want it to be, not what is objectively the healthiest way for it to be, but just what you want it to be. That yeah, be- it's, sort of, it's, it's sort of the idea where a lot of people, people don't really know what they want. Right? There's a lot of people who play a game and they're like, oh yeah, I want X, Y, and Z in the game. And the developer's like, no, you really don't. But you just don't understand why you don't. Right. And you want the game developer to make the game and not the community to make the game because communities suck at making games. Sort exactly. of that idea, yeah. So, and I've noticed that it's become a thing recently with some specific cards and I just, I don't, like, yeah, if they're bad, ban them. But if they're not bad, but just unliked, then that's not a reason to ban them. All right, moving on. I think you made a good yeah. point, uh, Matt. 
and I can agree with most of it. <laughs> All right, so now the one thing we do want to kind of go over before we go into our uh, next segment is has the format thus far over the last year turned out to be the format you envisioned or wanted it to be? Um, and, you know, we did talk about the, the how you like splashy and big kind of uh, plays in magic, uh, Matt. So I guess we'll start with you. Um, is this pioneer format what you always wanted it to be or like your ideal format? I wouldn't call it my ideal format. Um, however, if we look at the all the formats that currently exist, and I, I might miss some of the, the little ones that are sort of niche, but when you're talking about like standard, modern, pioneer, legacy, vintage, pauper, and commander, I think pioneer is very, not only is it the closest to what I like, but it's also very, very close to exactly what I would want. I mean, I would tweak a couple things here or there, but I, all in all, I love Pioneer. I think it's the best format that we have, definitely, at least in Constructed. All right. Yeah, fair. Alex? Yeah, I, um, I'll i say, um, I mean, Pioneer at the moment is by far my favorite format. I do also really love Commander, but overall, Pioneer is my favorite format. At least for, like, let's say, like, 1v1 Constructed, Pioneer is my favorite format. Easy. Um. Now, I will say going into Pioneer when it was announced, I probably just had unrealistic expectations because we've now gone into Pioneer being sort of quote-unquote fair, the fair format. Um, I initially had expected Pioneer to be fairer because going into Pioneer, we always talked about it standard, oh yeah, Kaladesh standard, blah, blah, such a powerful set, blah, blah, blah. So I kind of had like the like rose-tinted glasses idea that it would be it would feel like that standard format, which is obviously crazy because that was a standard format and it's not even the most powerful standard format we had happened until then. So I probably went into Pioneer with unrealistic expectations, but I'm not left disappointed. It's still like the fairer format, the answers are good. There are just a lot of cards that I like. It's also just that. And that's what I my main expectation going into Pioneer. It's like, I'm just going to see a lot of cards that I enjoy. Because Modern has some cards. I, just, like, I, I get its purpose, and I totally think it should be in the format, but I don't like Blood Moon. I don't like losing games to Blood Moon, and I don't like winning games with Blood Moon or Chalice of the Void. Mainly like prison-y stuff. And in that sense, Pioneer yeah. just sees a lot of cards that I think are cool. I see Rankle, cool card. Knight of the Ebon Legion, cool card. I like Thoughtseize. I like Five Metal Nicobolas. Uh, I like Vivian. Uh, there's just a lot of cards in this format that I just think someone casts it, so I'm like, cool. I like that card. And that's still a thing Pioneer has for me. So in that sense, I'm happy. But yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny because we were talking about um, when we had that showcase uh, last Saturday or whatever, and uh, one of the games I was playing when I was on uh, when I was on camera for the stream, I was playing against Esper Control, and like I said, I talked about this or whatever. And I cast a Psychonic Rift on cam on stream, and when I went back and watched the vod, I just saw chat just go ham, going like, "Oh my god, Psychonic Rift!" And even when I was playing, my opponent was like, "That's awesome! You're a Psychonic Rift! Like you don't see that in like constructed formats." So it gives it, you know, that it's the EDH All Star. So, yeah, about to say, you know that if your opponent 
cast Cyclonic Rift, your opponent's like, cool, they're not a commander player. Because <laughs> every commander player is hardwired to sigh the moment Cyclonic Rift is put on the stack. It's like, cast Rift. Okay, buddy. <laughs> it's like restarting the game. <laughs> well, except, except for, for yourself. <laughs> but yeah, it, the ability to play cool cards and interesting cards um, is definitely the, the best part about Pioneer. And I agree, a lack of prison-y type of effects is a good thing. Um, so we have fairer magic. Now, it doesn't maybe not feel as fair lately with things like uh, what Rekka is doing or Omnath and things like that. But we have some tools to kind of counterbalance that. I just hope we get a little bit more. Yeah, like I, I think because obviously I also talked about prison effects, obviously, like Blood Moon. I think prison effects can have their place, but I don't think prison effects should be like it's, it should be the thing they point to. Right. If you think your opponent's playing a greedy mana base, I probably prefer like, hey, play Burning Earth and not play Blood Moon. Right. But having prison y style answers can help in the type of format we're in. So I can imagine we might get prison y answers soon, but I don't want them to be like, I'm, I don't know, I'm just happy I don't have to play against Blood Moon because I couldn't afford Scalding Tarn. So it's like, hey, you could fetch an island in response. Yeah, except I can't because I have a Bloodstained Mire on the battlefield. <laughs> I mean, we we have like things like Alpine Moon, but that doesn't seem play. So I guess it'll have to be something between. But I mean, like, yeah, like, well, that's a, like Blood Sun. Blood Sun worked against Field yeah. of the Dead. It was actually a pretty reasonable answer against it, at least in standard. Like, yeah, cool. That sort of prisony effect, like, sure. Prisony should lock your people, should lock your opponent out of playing degenerate stuff. It shouldn't lock their your opponent out of playing magic. I think that's like I where I like my prisony style effects. Like Lavinia is an awesome prison style effect. Don't play free stuff, and don't play more than you've got lands. Sure. Yeah, just keeping the uh, the tables... Uh... Keep it fair. Exactly. Now, when it comes to if the format has turned out to how I want it to be, um, I would say yeah, ultimately. Um, I Again, the everyone doing big things kind of gameplay is uh, not the ideal place I want the format to be in. And again, that just goes back to just having better answers to kind of bring that down a peg or two. Um, but I think once we see a few more mid-range decks kind of pop up, like we saw Soltai Wreck win this uh, one of the last challenges, which again, was just only playing two copies of Wilderness Reclamation. It was basically Soltai Delirium with more counter magic. It was that kind of deck. And that's a little bit mid-rangey, but leaning more towards the control aspect. If we can see traditional Soltai Delirium come back and be a big player in the format again, then I think we're in a really good spot. Yeah. We're right on the edge. I think we're right on the edge. We're close. Um, so maybe a banning of Teferi does it. Maybe um, like maybe Omnath. Uh, Wilderness Wreck? Perhaps. Um, Something. No, I think uh, we're both I, saying I, like we're not uh, advocating for bans, but if yes. if we were in control and we could tweak the format and push it a little bit in where we wanted it to be, that's maybe where we would we would push it that way. Whereas other people might think like, oh, I hate Sultan Midrange, I'd push it elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would probably start with Teferi, but then my worry is that Wreck gets out of hand because you don't have that natural check. Granted, they all play it. Yeah, now they do. Um, 
So it's just so weird. Maybe Omnath is actually the way to go and go from there because Omnath it just is does a lot of weird big things um, that kind of pushes mid range out. Because why do anything else than play a bunch of lands and make a bunch of cats or smack but, them in the face with an expansion? Explosion? I think, I think maybe to turn this around, we're now talking about because as every conversation in 2020 and Magic the Gathering eventually turns to bans, what about we flip it around? Because we've got a year coming up. What type of archetypes or decks would you guys want to get support for in the next year? What's a deck you really like, but it's just not there? Because it, it just needs a set dedicated to it or something like that. What would you guys want to see? Matt, let's start, start with Brad. Oh, let's start with Matt, sure. Okay, so... And I think that this is actually... I want to see Boros Artifact become a better deck. And I That's think... That's why I wanted him to start. I knew his fucking answer. <laughs> and... <laughs> I love this answer. And I actually think if it's going to happen, 2021 is the place where it's going to happen because we have two sets coming out right in a row where it's just... They're the perfect sets to give us a lot of cool artifacts and a lot of cool equipment. Because you've got... Kaldheim, which is based on Norse mythology, followed right up by Strixhaven. So you could give us a lot of cool equipments, like, you know, based on Norse mythology. Give us something like Magic Thor's Wand. Hammer. Magic Wand. Magic Wand. Give us something like Thor's Hammer. I mean, obviously, you can't call it Thor's Hammer, but give us something like that as, like, an equipment. Give us some cool equipments that are based on, like, Norse mythology. And then. Follow it up on Strixhaven by giving us some cool artifacts that are like quote unquote enchanted by magic because it's magic a magic wand. We and, we talked and, about this before the cast, Matt and I. And we they mentioned do, magic wands. Yeah, and they do so. I cool. wasn't there. I think that that I think that not only would I like to see that deck better, they've given us two sets right in a row where they could really do some cool things with artifacts, and I really want to see them do it. Because, I mean, Boros Artifacts is just fun to play. It's just, we don't have the tools for it yet. And you can do it in a way that doesn't break it. We don't need Colossus Hammer. That you yeah, we, we, don't, we don't need, like, oh, we need better equipment. Please give us Sword of Fire and Ice. Like, they could tone it right. down a little bit, but right. just but give just us cool give stuff. Us some, just give us some cool equipment. Uh, the one that I think of is um, Gala, Gollum Skin Gauntlets or whatever. The one where, it, like... The more of them you have on the field, the better they get. Like, I think that would be some, like, stuff like that. Fair artifacts that just make Boros artifacts a little better. Give us a reason to play the new Nahiri, for God's sakes. Like, hear me out. Hear me out. If we're talking about equipment, I have one. I I guarantee you, Alex, you're going to disagree with me. But I want to see it come back because I'm curious. If you're saying Jite, yeah, Jite. I knew it. No, Jite is way too powerful of a magic card. Jite is stupid. I want it. Give it back. Jite is dumb. It could be okay, I think. I mean, it would be okay given the current magic we're playing, but I thought we were talking about that we would rather be playing slightly fairer magic. And Umezawa's Jitte is like, why would I be playing fair magic? Because my opponent is just going to destroy me with a sword that looks like a toothpick. Like, <laughs> Just put it on Kazool's yeah. Collector for free. Isn't Jitte, the main problem with it that was just like if you attack, right? Or deal damage. So you can even just be uh, blocked and still like cool counters. Uh, 
Yeah, whenever equip creature deals combat damage, put two charge counters on it. Yeah. And then the charge counters are do whatever you want. It doesn't even have to be equipped. <gasps> I mean, maybe the they could like do a um, fixed GD. It has to do combat no, damage, and it can only be activated when a creature is equipped. Into pioneer. No. Into pioneer. Oh, then you get I'm an in modern. Oh, people are going to love that. They can Stoneford Mystic into Jitte. It's probably going to be very fun. <laughs> That's flashy oh. magic right there. It's bringing a two-mana equipment out that pings X ones. Is that really flashy magic? <laughs> that sounds more like my magic. What's... No, the one from uh, Mono Blue and Standard, the, the Merfolk that can't be blocked. I'm putting it on that. <laughs> the stupid 1-1. One, one, one drop. Yeah, uh... Mist Herald, Mist Cloaked Herald. Yeah. Okay. Or yeah, so Slither going... Blade from Amonkhet. Ooh. Remember that? The one that I'm two and Obsession. And I'm playing Cure Obsession. <laughs> and a Sea Dasher Octopus to get some of that mutate action in there. Wizards, please. I was about to say, Brad has his look on his face. So it's like, I've never wanted to play a deck so badly. Yeah. Yeah. In Pioneer, though. In Modern, <laughs> it wouldn't be fun. In Pioneer, it'd be so stupid. It'd be so fun. Printed, but pre banned in Modern. Otherwise, the people in the modern part of our Discord are going to kill us. Yeah, yeah. I want All right, that. so, Brad, what type of deck would you want to see improve? Um, I've said in the past I want zombies. I mean, I said it earlier today, too. Um, but my problem with zombies, in a sense, is, like, I, I would want, like, Gravecrawler, but then that just goes into mono black and they don't even play zombies. <laughs> just like, hey, cool, we get a better recursive threat. Animate um, Mutavolt, play all my Gravecrawlers. <laughs> Outside of that, I, I I would like to see them go back to energy, and bring that back, and uh, kind of buff energy in a, in a in a sense. And I think the best way to do that is because you've talked about this before, Alex. How energy is a parasitic um, mechanic. So in a standard environment, it's not that great because then it just kind of overshadows everything, um, which we saw exist before. So I guess you kind of go into a supplemental set like a, a la Pioneer Horizons and then go straight into energy. That way it goes right into Pioneer, and you buff energy a weaker archetype in the format, but you don't get that parasitic thing into uh, standard. Um, now, I know you don't have a very... Uh, yeah. you know, I was about to say, when Brad does his one-hour rant on Kethys, I'll hop in a separate call and do a one-hour rant on Horizon sets and why they shouldn't exist. Like, we can't have Craig record all of them. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just talk over each other. Like, Craig records us separately, so we could just mute the other person, just rant, and then get the two recordings from Craig. Can I do an hour-long rant about why Arkham's Astrolabe shouldn't be banned in Modern? No, like, because no one agrees with you. <laughs> <laughs> no, that would be the least listened-to podcast on the internet. Titled, Why Arkham's Astrolabe Should Still Be Modern Legal. Actually, I think a lot of people would listen to it. It would probably just be the most anger-inciting sound like peace like recording on the internet i think there's a video by cgp gray which says this video will make you angry well this I is the magic him. version of that i love cgp gray he's a great youtuber he's fantastic he has a series on pirates is one of the funniest things i've ever watched while has, also being incredibly informative he has a couple podcasts that i listen to as well and he's just he's very interesting to listen to he he sort of reminds me of myself in all the best podcasts ways and i love it <laughs> you did an episode on tumbleweeds and i loved it yes 
<laughs> Long story short, everybody go search CGP Grey. C-G-P-G-R-E-Y. And you just watch all of his videos and you'll love it. You'll learn something in like the best way ever. He's he's actually done a couple on like dealing with working and stuff at home during a pandemic. I think it's called Spaceship U. And it's yeah. actually really good. Like if you struggle with working at home and like getting your stuff organized, watch Spaceship U. It's seven minutes or something. It's so good. I don't well, personally really need it, but I know people who are like, yeah, this, I can work, I can't work at home, and this would definitely help those people. Welcome to the Pioneer Perspective, where we give you random YouTube suggestions. Random life advice, you know? I was going to just say, uh, the Pioneer Perspective is made possible by, and then you kind of go into, uh... <laughs> na, 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 na. Also, he plays magic. Kids. When he does anything yeah, about, Alex. oh no! But also yep. CGP Grey plays magic, so maybe he enjoys the shout out. Yeah. Whenever you see him talk about land, he actually shows pictures of magic lands, but then like drawn in his style. But CGP Grey, if you're listening to this, please email us. We will be happy to have you on the podcast. And just also know I love you. Uh, okay, moving on. <laughs> He's gonna say no now. He's actually filing a restraining order as we speak. <laughs> There is there is a C between he's he's from Britain. There's a C between us. You'll be okay. Honestly, he, knowing what I know about him from listening to his podcast, he, he would totally that, not. He would totally be the person who would a not come on the podcast and b would file a restraining order against Alex. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on. I say for the second time. Uh, oh yeah, that'd be me, right? My answer to this question. Yes. Energy good. Energy good. Horizon set's not good. Um, what I would like to see, which sounds weird from a guy who generally only plays like control decks and doesn't play a lot of creatures, I actually really like tribal decks. And because I think tribal decks are such a like core part of a card game like Magic, like, there's a lot of other games, or like Yu-Gi-Oh! or something, where tribes are a very defining part of the gameplay. And we've had good tribal decks in the past. There are good tribal decks now. We're just not really seeing them in Pioneer, and it's because a lot of them just lack the oomph. Um, when I currently have an elf deck, and it just misses things. It just feels like a powered-down mono-green aggro, which it really is. There Now, some of these pieces might be too powerful, but there's no Heritage Druid, there's no Elvish Arch Druid, there's no Izuri, there's no Crater Hoof Behemoth. It misses pieces. And all these decks have that. You want to play Goblins? Uh, maybe if you look at Historic, it's like, there's a lot of good Goblins. Yeah, most of them were actually in either Jumpstart or in the... Um, what are they called? Historic the anthologies. anthologies? They're, yeah, yeah, they're in the Anthology set. There's no Goblin Matron. I think there's not even Chieftain, you know, the Lord that gives plus attack and haste. There's no Chieftain, there's no Matron, there's no Gem Bomb Incinerator. I think that's not even Modern Legal. But um, some of the cool ones added recently to Modern are from Modern Horizons. So Goblins isn't good enough. Elves isn't good enough. If you want to play Merfolk in Pioneer, even though it's like seven years worth of sets, you're almost playing Ixalan Block Constructed. Like... A lot of these decks just need... They actually just need cards. They have, they're very... Tra and it's especially for me the traditional tribes. So 
merfolk, goblin, elves, zombies to an extent, even though they've had more support. And what would be a cool one to represent? White soldiers? Uh, no. Um, just humans? Cool. Maybe just more, a little bit more humans? Just actually straight yeah. up human support and not like Thal cards mm. from like Thalia's lieutenant and cards that happen to be humans? <laughs> More like actual you like it. a champion of the parish. Locks it on tribal. That's actually, yeah. But like champion of the parish could be a card that would be very nice for an actual human tribal deck. And I think it's also fun because a lot of these cards are very easy to implement. It can be a matter of some lords, some small payoffs, just literally just a good one drop that is part of the tribe and doesn't even need synergy, like champion of the parish. Sure, it synergize with yeah. humans, but like. Champion of the Parish would be so easy to put in a D&D set. Like, merfolk, elves, goblins, they're all part of standard fantasy and are very easy to put in these sets. I would like to see them some cards. I would like traditional tribes to also be part of Pioneer, as they are part of all other Eternal formats. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And, I, and this is a point we've made a few times now, and uh, I mean, it's one of those things that is just such a good example you look at modern humans, you got Kaito Freebooter and Unclaimed Territory, and suddenly it was a deck. Two cards. That's it. That's all it takes to put a tribe yeah. to the next level. Like, I'm going to be honest, I think Elvish Archdruid would be fine for this format. Probably. Yeah. I mean, um, honestly, I think Crater Hoof would be fine, to be honest. I really Yeah, I really but do. Crater Hoof wouldn't even be that good because you can't generate the mana to cheat it out. Give me Crater Hoof. Now, Heritage Druid makes you giga cheat on mana, which is probably way too powerful. Azuri has regenerate on it, so we're never seeing that. But we could get like a slightly weaker Azuri. For Merfolk, we just need like Lord of Atlant. I know it gives Island Walk, but to be honest, that's the type of mechanic we could probably see. I know no, it's I, I not think, used yeah, now. We, we have we have Swamp Morph legal in uh in Do we? Pioneer. Yeah, there's a um there's a two drop. I was looking at the other day. Um, actually, hold on. I have it in my notes. Give me one sec. Give me Crater Hoof Behemoth, please. It's it's I either mean, Swamp Walk or Forest Walk. One of those. Um, it is. Uh, let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Did I not write it down? Matt, oh, uh, Brad's okay. notes are as organized as mine, clearly. And then I just don't even have notes. I just show up. I wasn't even supposed to be on the podcast. I just wandered into the voice chat, and they were like, sure. <laughs> Woodlock Crawler. What? Woodlock Crawler? Woodlot? Like W-O-D-L-O-T Crawler? I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Or is it Protection? It's from Dragon's right? Maze. It's Protection. Damn it. Oh, no, wait. It has Forest Walk. Oh, I was right. Yes! I knew I remembered wow. it right. So it is actually in Pioneer. Granted, they haven't used it for years, but protection also came back in a core set. And I can see, I mean, that's just, they would need to bring that back just for one Murphle card, but something like that. Lord of Atlantis, Marrow Regery, uh, could immediately be good. They could even, to help all these tribes out, just bring Tribal back, but I think they retired that because they really didn't like working with it or something. But like even just bringing tribal back so you can have a tribal deck, but actually put like a tar fire in it. So now you have some interaction and your aggro deck, your tribal deck isn't just a straight up aggro deck. 
Like, there's a lot of things they can do for Tribal that I wish they did. Also, because it's a very... I talk about this a lot, but I do think this is a very important thing for Magic. You always want it to be accessible and relatable to new players. It's so much easier to tell people, like, hey, you know, you've got this cool deck to try out, and you hand it to someone, it's, what is it? You're like, it's mono-white aggro. And they're like, what do these words mean? And you, Or you hand someone a deck, this is elves. They're like, I know what an elf is. I've seen Lord of the Rings, right? So they have an entry point where they immediately get like sucked into the game through a fantasy element they like. And all those tribes are common in other fantasy. Merfolk, goblins, elves. Um, what else we talk about? Humans are obviously, I think everybody knows what a human is. Um, that like sort of thing. More like dwarves, like dwarf support and stuff like that. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, but the problem I have with that, and that's a problem I've been talking about for like years, I think, since ever I started playing pretty much, you get the last core set and it's like, wow, here's some cool cards for dog tribal. It's like fun, but nobody cares because it's not good enough. Cat tribal, cool, but it's not good enough. You could just make these mono white cards and you could have worded them differently and this could have just been a human. I think there's a card that says, like, whenever you this dog attacks, all attacking dogs are indestructible. Yeah, that, that could have just... is amazing. Yeah, but, like, that could have been a human. Maybe it would actually be too powerful, because it's, like, it humans is a very supportive tribe. Yeah. But, like, that slot could have just been a lord f for humans. Why is it dogs? And it's like, yeah, but dogs are relatable. Yeah, but so are the other tribes. You can make them relatable. And it would just be... You would get more cohesive tribes rather than like, here's some dog tribal, here's some cat tribal. What are we going to get next in like the D&D scene? Are we going to get Homerid tribal instead of Merfolk? <laughs> like, focus, please. You know, you know what's frustrating about the Merfolk thing? Because when you were actually saying that if you want to play Merfolk and Pioneer, you're basically playing x Constructed. You're at that point, you feel obligated to play Hardened Scales in your Merfolk deck at that point because it's so counter synergistic with like plus one, plus one counters. Probably. Like, that's, yeah. And it's just like, at that point, why are you playing Merfolk? Just play Hardened Scales with the better plus one, plus one cards. Exactly. Like, and th that, that you should never be in a spot like that. You, Merfolk should have its own unique identity, which it does in Modern. In Unlockable. Yes. Um, They're sneaky boys in Modern. And yes, goblins and... almost all have haste, and elves to generate a lot of mana. They, I think that hits the, the nail on the head. They lack an identity. They are all just generic aggro decks, but they are bad generic aggro decks. And I wish they were yeah. some, like Goblins being a generic, aggro de uh, a generic aggro deck. Now, some people play Legacy Goblins, where it's almost a control deck, going to flame me for this. But Goblins kind of make sense, because they are kind of dumb, and they all have haste, and they just hit things. But like elves or merfolk are more sophisticated as like creatures. They shouldn't be just generic aggro decks that are bad. Also, there are... for goblins, can we have more funny goblins again? Can we have things like uh, goblin like gardener tokens? Yeah, but I think that's like a. I think it's like there's a lot of there's a cycle of goblins where there's a bunch of goblins from old sets who do the opposite. So like goblin like settler destroys lands rather than like finds new lands and those type of cards are there. i think there's one like goblin cook and it's like oh they're just put... bad at their job yeah or it's like there's one that's like put food in dirt 
grow food, eat food, cut out the middleman, just eat the dirt, like something like that. <laughs> those cards just make me laugh. The fact that in, I think it's munitions expert or something. No, it's it's another, it's uh, something gang commander or something. It's the four mana four two. It's from oh, like two CJ years commander? ago. No, it's it's only from like two years ago. And it's One like dominate? a goblin. No, I think it's from a core set, but I think it's a core set after. It's just a goblin, doesn't really matter. It's a four mana four two. And when it comes in, it deals damage to a creature equal to the number of goblins you control. And it's flavor text. It's just fill the sky with stuff. And you just see them throw random items, and one of them is a pickle. Like, that sort of thing is just funny. And I want to see more of that from, from goblins. But that's specifically about goblins. Anyway, my point's been way too long, as it tends to be. Uh, that's okay. I think, I think we can go over into our next point. Which is also yeah. sort of our wishes for next year. And it is a mechanic that we would like to see coming up next year. Um, maybe not per se next year, at least a mechanic we would like to see in Pioneer. This can be this would obviously have to be a returning mechanic. We could even talk about a mechanic that we've rarely seen in modern uh, in Pioneer, like how I've just learned that Forest Walk is legal. So I would maybe say like, oh, I'd want to see more Forest Walk, or just a mechanic that's not even in Pioneer. How about, uh, I think with the last one, we started talking with Matt. So let's say, Brad, what do you want to see? See, that's tough. Because like, my gut just tells me like energy again, but I don't want to just... Oh, yeah. <laughs> you just talked about only, that. Yeah, only say energy over and over again. Um, but energy is so cool. You know what? I, you know I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give one from a, the same standard, okay? And the same set, even fabricate. That'd be really cool to see again, actually. Oh, I like that. That was a very interesting mechanic, fabricate. Like fabricate was just like it's. Uh, that marionette master know. deck was cool with treasures. Yeah, dude, I love that deck. It was so much fun. Um, now I actually let me pull it up real quick. So I have a lot of the storm scales uh, saved. Uh, Kaladesh. All right, here we go. Um, so Fabricate got a six on the storm scale. Um, was generally well-liked and played well. It's narrow design space and play design issues push it up a little bit on the scale. I can agree with that. Um, meanwhile, uh, energy was, I think, lower. It's like a five. Oh, it was also a six. Ooh. 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 Damn it. Give I mean, it to me, please. I mean, like, Fabricate, where I think a six is, like, fine, right, to get on the skill. They say, like, it's niche. But yeah, so it's time for a return after years. I mean, maybe Strixhaven yeah. has one of the schools is less magic-y and more immediately ties in with Matt, cares more about magical artifacts, and maybe they fabricate Ooh. things. I have a prediction. This isn't even something I want to see, though I actually do. I have a very bold prediction that we're a returning mechanic we will be seeing in Kaldheim. Are you ready? Exert. I think we're going to see it back. That is That'd the perfect cool. set to bring it back. It just makes sense. It fits on Berserkers. Like, they exert. Yeah, and that's the whole, that's the whole fighting style of Vikings. This is just give your all. So, I mean, yeah, do it. It seems right. And Matt, what would you want to see returned? Okay, so I want to see Ninjutsu come back. It definitely won't happen in 2021, 
because I think in order for ninjutsu to come back, we'd have to go back to Kamigawa. But I just want to see some cool shenanigans with ninjas doing funny things and just disappearing and wrecking your opponent's board. I like ninjutsu as a mechanic. I want to see it in Pioneer. And I just want to go back to Kamigawa so they can reprint One With Nothing, the best card ever printed. (laughs) I say that unironically. I really believe that One can be a very powerful card. It was tech against Owling Mine. I'm just imagining a ninja Harry Potter to bring it back in Strixhaven. And instead of like the smoke bomb poof, they just like, I just do it with magic. (laughs) It's like, it's (laughs) going to be like that meme from uh, For Sailor Moon where it's like, uh, he's like, my work here is done. She's like, but you didn't do anything. He's just gone. (laughs) (laughs) It's fitting because he's a magician. Actually, I could actually see them doing it in D&D, like give us just a random rogue that has ninjutsu. Oh yeah, like D and D. D and D allows you for, allows for like the stupidest stuff as long as your DM allows it. So depending on how crazy the DM is of the wizards, the wizards D and D campaign, maybe they're like, yeah, we had a dude who's a rogue, but like framed himself as a ninja. It was basically a ninja, and it would just be like a reference to this person. It would just be one card with ninjutsu. And we've pretty much kind actually of unanimously the rogue from Zendikar had effectively ninjutsu, but for rogues, right? Oh yeah, it did. It did. 100%. So we could even just not have it be called ninjutsu, but just have that if a specific tribe is unblocked, put this dude on. Maybe just have more rogues that do that. Oh, it could be a rogue? Would would you be okay with that, uh, Matt, or would you want to see actual ninjutsu? I mean, I just want to see a mechanic wherein I attack with the creature, and then by the time the attack goes through, that creature is not the same creature anymore because I have replaced it with a better creature. So if it's not called ninjutsu, don't call it ninjutsu. Just call it something. Yeah, so like the, the rogue yeah. guy from Zendikar who does that, you think, like, he's cool. Yeah, I think that's really cool. I want to see more stuff like that, just shenanigans. Like, decks that cause lots of shenanigans are fun for me. I, yeah, I, I can like, actually like, I more atta- think about it. I have attacked you with a 1-1. You have chosen not to block my 1-1. Now my 1-1 is on the board anymore and it's a five five yeah Should've i, I actually it. the more i think about it it's actually really cool because usually like if you spend your mana in combat it's to mess up your opponent's blockers but in this case you're messing up or you're messing with what they didn't block instead yeah. of messed with what they did block which is kind yeah. of like a cool way to change I how mean, you do this sort of thing if you think about it ember cleave is essentially that mechanic yeah, except they do block the biggest creature, but it gets trampled, so they're dead anyway. Well, that's why, I mean, you can always put it on uh, a creature they don't block. But yeah, I, I see your point. Now, I will say, though, I do have a slight annoyance with them making cards that have a mechanic on them, but without the keyword. For example, Surveil. We got, like, several cards post-guilds <laughs> that surveilled without saying surveilled, and I was like, but you made so many Surveil Matters cards. Why? Please. I mean, that it just makes a... sense from a, like, it just makes sense from a design perspective because otherwise sets get too complicated. Yeah, I, that's just the main so thing. Easy. Surveil might as well be a new B-Scry. I think that's one of the easiest kinds of uh, mechanics to have on a card. I think Surveil yeah, but could why just does, be a Scry Yeah, but thing. Surveil as a name doesn't make sense. 
right? If you look at eat to extinction, why is it called surveilling when Croxa eats a horse? Like, I wouldn't really say that that's surveyed. <laughs> like, that's not in the true. way the Demir do. So it, I think it has to do a lot with naming. And then if you start yeah. doing it for, like, landfall, because landfall makes sense naming-wise, then the discussion, like, can you imagine if discussion was when Girls of Ravnica came out and people would be angry because they named it Surveil and it should have had a different name so it would be more generically applicable in the future. Also, slight... But I get the frustration. Also, I want to see more stuff like flying, where you just can't block unless you have keywords. Mostly because we were talking about this before the cast too, Alex. Like, what was the one you brought up? Horsemanship. Horsemanship. If you give a if you give a creature with flying, so horsemanship is just basically flying. Creature can't be blocked unless it also has horsemanship. Unless the blocker has horsemanship. Right. It's like flying and shadow. Like, imagine having flying shadow and horsemanship, and then cards that give cards flying shadow and horsemanship. And it's Judge. like I have I have swung with a flying shadow horseman, and you have a flying shadow, but I have horsemanship, so you still can't block it. I would love to see something like that. I think this is exactly why they don't. <laughs> yeah, the last evasive type of mechanic that we had was menace. Was the last one, and that's a bit more new than you think. Um, I have to find the year, but I remember seeing it like a, a few weeks ago. It's like uh, oh, Khan's block, a dark year block. That's when menace was yeah. keyworded. Yeah, that's that's uh, it's pretty cool. Imagine so, having, something like that. Imagine having flying horsemanship, shadow, and menace. It's like, yeah, you have one that has all these keywords. Just cut out the middleman, make it unblockable. <laughs> <laughs> no, I want them to be able to block it. Very funny. It's way. the it's the worst, most convoluted unblockable. Ooh, what if there was a, a type of evasiveness where it was tribe specific? Like it made sense, like a rival tribe. It was the only one that could block it. Like, uh, or, just, or, or the own tribe. Like, like, oh, an elf would like yeah. attack you, and oh, but only elves know that the sneaky routes the elves take. <laughs> it's it's or elf like, walk. <laughs> like, only goblins can block this elf because elves are really smart magic creatures, and goblins are dumb and hit things with clubs. <laughs> like they're anti each other, and you have like. <laughs> Merfolk and Pegasuses, one live under the sea and one flies in the sky. <laughs> I just imagine a Merfolk jumping out of the water like a dolphin and smacking its head against Smacking the, uh, the Pegasus. a Pegasus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Alright. So now I can just think of like, uh, what's the what are the most like existing keywords you could slap on a creature to make it as hard as possible to block? Like oh, shadow, uh, horsemanship, flying, fair. Yeah, but there's also fair, intimidate. Like, just put all of it on one creature. It has all five walks. So you have to. That's what fun. I was thinking, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it could just say, like, this creature can literally only be blocked by other copies of this creature. <laughs> it's true name nemesis, but for blocking. <laughs> It's mean. It's my own true nemesis. Nemesis. I'm gonna make this card as a custom card because we all know Brad loves custom cards. I'm banning you. Get off. Get out of here. <laughs> Please then, post it on Facebook and then I'll, link Brad. <laughs> I will. Yeah, I'll join Brad's Facebook. Group. I'll just block him. No, I'll put. <laughs> I'll put it in the server, and I'm sure Brad will put it somewhere. Somewhere. Sometime. We'll pin it. 
people can see it, but it'll it'll just have every keyword that gives you any slight amount of evasiveness, and it'll just do broken. It'll be Omnath with every keyword. That's what it'll be. Don't forget it draws you a card. Yep, it also draws <laughs> it you will a come. Card. Do do you know? Do you guys know this uh, askursa.com planeswalker? Yeah, from uh, the unset, uh, the card will have so much text; it just has a, a, a an HTML link on it. Yeah, it's Urza. just like this makes more sense. Just go here, go to this website, download this document. This is what it does. <laughs> and like the website has like a dice roller, doesn't it? Because you have to roll a dice. Yeah. Depending on what it does, you do different things, and none of them are bad for you, but some of them also aren't good for you either. Why can't we have stuff like that in Constructed Magic? Because you need an internet connection to play Magic. No, they oh can my just... God. Matt's going to play Shaharazad and then go grab that card and then have two games with the Urza's uh, <laughs> HTML card going on at the same time, rolling dice independently, just trying to figure out, okay, how can I win here? <laughs> that is exactly what I would do. I would be shot, but I would do it. It would be the best way to die ever. Like I just annoyed a magic player so much that he just pulled out a gun on the other side of the table and just shot me dead right then and there. Oh yeah. If if I'm ever playing against you and you cast a Harzod, I just scoop him. Like I don't want to play anymore. I, I I barely wanted to play the first game, Matt. Now I really don't want to play the second game or the third game inevitably. So I'm I'm good. We're done. You can- if he plays a Shaharazad just straight up, my reaction would be I'm disappointed you didn't fork it. <laughs> twin, twin cast it and then grab it off the stack with Fan Witches and cast it again in the sub game. <laughs> drag you all down. I did the math and I think theoretically the farthest down you could go is you can get 24 sub games deep <laughs> with with one with like a 60 card shell that runs Twin Cast, Fae of Wishes, Four Shaharazad, and a couple other things. You can get like 24 sub games deep. And then it doesn't matter because every time you like the sub game ends like the Shaharazad isn't on the stack in the next sub game up anymore so you don't actually take any penalty for losing well much like fucking Shaharazad this podcast has become seven podcasts in the same sub podcast so we should probably move on to our next and actually our final uh, topic actually I haven't talked oh my god you really haven't during all that time I haven't talked about my mechanic I've talked about your mechanic Brad, Isn't like, your mechanic the the horse thing? No, that oh. was Brad. Uh, that, was... that was Matt. No, I just helped. Thing. I just helped him theory craft it before we started. Oh. I said I wanted, oh. it, and then I said as a joke, I would also want all of the evasive ones, like horsemanship, to just stick on the same creature. No, I'll I'll keep Holy it short shit. and sweet because I have a mechanic from Future Sight. Uh, that is a mechanic that I've been wanting to see for a long time, and I was hoping we're going to see in Dominaria, and it's grandeur. Now, there's only five cards in Magic's history that have Grandeur on them, if I remember correctly. And I'll read that. So the easiest example, he's called uh, Corlash, Heir to Blackblade. And the Grandeur cards are all legendary creatures in this case. But the downside of legendary creatures is that if you have one on the field, you can't play the next one. Grandeur works around that because, so it says, so Corlash, Heir to Blackblade, just a creature. Power and toughness equal to whatever. It doesn't matter. But yes, grandeur. Discard another card named uh, Corlash Heir to Blackblade. Search your library for up to two swamp cards, put them into play tapped, and shuffle your library. So you get a 
different effect for having a second legendary in your hand because you can then grandeur it and use its ability. Now, I think this is a very interesting way to subvert the legend rule. And then it's like, well, why is it the legend rule? Because, but this is still different. You get a different effect out of having a legendary creature in multiple copies. Like if you have two Steel Leaf Champions, whatever, you've got two Five Force. It's not interesting. If you have two Core Lashes, you now have a big creature and two Swamps in your hand. Like, and it becomes an interesting play of, hey, Grandeur in this case is free. So when I have Core Lash on the field, I can cash in this other Core Lash to get my Swamps. But maybe I want to keep this creature in my hand instead. Like, I think it's just a super cool and interesting mechanic. And when Dominaria is going to be Legend-themed, I was really hoping to see it. But Maro said it's quite unlikely, because it's a card that cares about having multiple copies of Legendaries, which means it doesn't work in Commander. And with a lot of Legendaries they design, they keep Commander in the back of their mind, and therefore they probably won't do anything with Grandeur. But I really hope they do, because I think it's an interesting, cool mechanic. They could just do it in Pioneer Horizons. Just give us it in Pioneer Horizons, don't worry. I mean, I understand what he's saying with, like, you know, you want Commander to be a thing. But, like, you can play a Commander with Grandeur on it, can't you? Like, just give it another ability. Yes, you could just make it an interesting card to begin with. But even if you don't, like, I'm sorry, Commander players out there, but who cares? Right? There's so many legendary creatures in the game. You guys get, what are they going to get this year? Like, eight decks? Like, they're going to get, we got the Zendikar one, and we got the Ikoria ones, and then we got, like, Commander 2021. And, like, they, they're going to be okay not having extra legendaries for one set. Who cares? Do a, leg, do a, do a legend set first, like Dominaria, again, and give, like, five of them grandeur. I really hope they do. I love the mechanic. Yeah, it allows for a very interesting design that I am not good enough at designing cards for, but I'm sure some of the people from Brad's uh, custom MTG forums could come up with some fantastic grandeur designs. I mean, sure. Brad's facial expression is priceless. <laughs> you could give it like you know, paid costs, right? You could like say this costs like one or two mana to do grandeur if you want to go with some more like flashy bigger kind of effects oh yeah like here they're all like free but nothing on the card would say that you couldn't attach a cost to it too so there's more design space here and more balancing space too all right but yeah um i guess we'll move on to the last subject which is this is a this is a cool one what are your plans for Magic in the next year? Now, Alex, I know you... Uh, I'm pretty sure you're the one who came up with this uh, idea. Do you want to explain yes. what you mean by that? Yeah, so it's sort of just like, we've got a year of Magic coming up. So if we, you know, October 21st, 2021, what would you... Like, in that episode, what do you hope to have achieved by then? What's a thing you would have wanted to do, a thing you wanted to attend? Just what would you want to do that is related to magic in some way by next year? Well, I, for one, would like to be able to play in an actual paper event. Yeah, there's um, obviously a lot of uncertainty attached to this question. Yeah, that's the <laughs> biggest one. Um, if we get bigger paper events, like a GP or something, um, I would like to go out and like actually 
attend one. Like I was going to go to the one in Atlanta for star city games this year, right before COVID hit. Um, it was actually like, like maybe two or three weeks after the whole COVID thing happened. That's when they're like, yeah, we got to cancel it. And they also got to cancel like Baltimore or something like that in the same breath. And I'm like, Oh no. Cause I, I was ready to go. I was about to buy plane tickets. Thank God I didn't because you know, those aren't refundable most cases or they're a pain to get refundable. But yeah, I, I'd like to go out to an actual event and uh, compete and uh, hopefully uh, do pretty well. That's my biggest goal. And that's what I'd like. If not just a simple paper event at an LGS would suffice if we can't get the big ones yet. All right. What about you, Matt? Uh, so I want to, this next year, I'm going to focus on my deck building and just get better at brewing by myself because right now my strategy is find a deck online that seems fun that somebody has already built change it a little bit and then it's my deck so like my mono green list is not a list that i brewed obviously it's a it's a net deck and i just sort of made a couple of slight changes like for shia alex's favorite card um <laughs> so i want to get better at like building my own decks because i have a very hard time like things seem good to me on paper and then they don't work and I get frustrated and then I just quit. I always joke. I have a thousand half built decks because it's like I start to build it and then I'm just like, Nope, doesn't work. And then I move on. So that's what I'm going to be doing. I'd like to go and play like Brad said, I'd like to go play actual paper events, but who knows what's going to happen. And that's what the server's here for. We have paper events almost every day of the week. So if you want paper events, come play MTG at home. All right. Uh, for me, the answer is uh, uh, there's a couple things to it, but they're all kind of small. The main thing is I want to try and get other people to play Magic or Magic again. Think two examples that come to mind. Uh, one is my girlfriend. Uh, when I started playing Magic, I actually played a lot of Magic with my girlfriend at time, uh, where we played Standard and she had uh, Black Green Energy, so the Constrictor deck. Uh, which was actually just a good deck, and she, I took her to FNM sometimes, she beat my ass a couple times in the first round, denying me FNM promos and that sort of thing, and then she went home with a promo and I didn't. Um, no hard feelings. Uh, because it was the Fatal Push and I didn't like it anyway. Um, <laughs> Brad's offended because he ordered them today. Uh, but just get people to the Magic game. Maybe find a way, get my girlfriend into playing it again. Obviously I would like her to to play Pioneer. So I now build a deck, and sometimes if I buy a deck, I keep in mind, like, hey, maybe I know some people who would like to play this. A friend of mine hasn't played Magic in a long time and can only play very sporadically. So instead of playing, like, weird budgety standard decks, I told him, like, hey, there's a new set coming out with Kaldheim, which is Norse-inspired, which he loves. It's like, let's build a commander deck for you when that set comes out. And in that way, I just want to get people to play Magic. Just people I know, so when, you know, the world's calmed down a bit, I can play Paper Magic with people I love. And the second one for me is is now this year, especially the recent couple months, I've suddenly become, quote-unquote, a content creator, right? I'm in a podcast. Um, I We've hosted, I casted a tournament, and I'm going to do more in the future. And I want to see if there's another type of content creation that i would could do like maybe a very rare stream or maybe 
like deck techs or some sort of thing. I would like to see if I can explore different avenues of content creation because I do really like it. And I do know that the servers also, as far as I know, we hope to in the future be able to host like more content creation. Like we encourage people to do write-ups on our Reddit, for example. And I would like to be part of that when that starts growing. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's we're excited about that. I have a funny story, Alex, about you want to get your girlfriend into magic. So my boyfriend doesn't really play card games or really anything like that. We're very different people. And, you know, when COVID kind of started happening and I started playing magic from home over webcam on the server, he, he sort of watched me play a few games and he thought, you know, maybe this is something he could actually enjoy. And so he went out and bought like two deck building toolkits, you know, the big ones that have like 200 cards in them. And then he mm -hmm. bought a couple of the pre-release kits for M21 and he came home and he gave them to me and he was like, help me build a deck and help me learn how to play magic. So we built a couple of decks together. We sat down, we tried to play magic and he just got so frustrated and he just picked up his deck and was like, I don't want to play anymore and just left because he like... <laughs> He kept trying to cast sorceries at instant speed, and I'm like, but you can't do that. He's like, but you just did it. I'm like, mine's an instant. Yours is a sorcery. <laughs> and, like, it was just, it was really funny. So, like, I can relate to that. Like, that's funny. Yeah, I also think, like, it's also an interesting way. So that's why I'm saying, like, I'm recommending a friend to build a commander deck and not have other constructed decks. Because I look through magic one way, and I want to be able to, like, get better at looking through like how other people perceive magic which is also like good when we're doing like a podcast so we can talk to different people who experience magic in a different way like i listened to mark rosewater had this sort of lecture a long time ago on like magic design and he had like this is where like the timmy uh johnny that sort of terminology comes from and one of them is jenny as far as i think i can remember correctly as jenny who is someone who really expresses themselves through deck building and, like, that's what my girlfriend is. She really likes, like, she wants the art to be pretty. And there are certain card types she just doesn't like. And it's like, I don't like red cards because of the way they look. I don't like the aesthetic of red cards, for example. And in, in my head, that sort of doesn't make sense. Because, like, if you don't play Magic very often, and you want a simple, straightforward deck because you don't really keep up, mono-red aggro is, like, the perfect deck. But it's like, yeah, but I don't really like red. It's like, okay, so, like, the logical thing would be to play red but not for you. So I have to like try and understand you and how you see magic to then make it so it fits you too. Because she's played in the past and liked it in the past, so I'm sure I can like we can play more again, and it's also just fun to have someone to play with, I suppose. I guess I would be a Jenny, because I don't really care too much about card art, but I definitely am not a very serious person. I like to make jokes, I like to have fun, I don't like sort of serious environments, and my deck's very very much reflect that of like let me play shaharizad and make you play 24 games with me please <laughs> or you know let me just spawn my entire deck on the board but not do anything with it it's just it exists but they don't actually do anything and it doesn't win they just all of a sudden they're there like i feel like i guess that would be my category is i'm a jenny so hi guys my name is jenny boy <laughs> I think there is a mill equivalent of it too, but I forgot that one. I know Timmy, Johnny, Spike, Jenny. Though I think Spike, Spike is a girl, right? 
the card from the onset the onset so frankly the when they turn it into a person it it is a it is a woman but like i'd say i'm more spiky but not too spiky because i also want my decks to be fun i play for fun first but i definitely play spiky second i have evolved far more into uh, being a spiky player than i was originally because when I came from Yu-Gi-Oh, I didn't like to be that kind of player because the top decks were just so boring to me. Because Yu-Gi-Oh is very much a combo-oriented kind of game. It's Imagine playing combo and, and magic, and that's just all Yu-Gi-Oh is, except they have different end results, usually just by killing you and by attacking or whatever. There's not really like a combo finish where it's an uh, un... What's the word? Not unethical, but a um, uncommon win condition, I guess. Um but Yu-Gi-Oh is just all like, do you have your two-card combo and you're opening five? Cool. Does your opponent have a counter or a way to stop that? No? Wow, you win. So I liked playing a lot of like rogue decks, like my favorite deck of all time. And Yu-Gi-Oh is relinquished. And I've actually topped a couple of events in Yu-Gi-Oh playing this deck. And I loved it. I loved every second of it. Um, when I came over to Magic, I was like, I built, I built like a pirate tribal deck for Ixalan uh, when that came out. Um, I played Hapatra in uh, Amaket Standard. Um, I, I also did invest in Mono Red Aggro, but that's just because like I wanted a, a deck that I could just not think as much half the time. Um, that was the whole reason I got it. And then eventually, as we got into like Pioneer and stuff, and like later, later Life of Standard, probably up around the time of War of the Spark and the Guild of Ravnica. That's when I started playing like more spiky decks. Like I started playing Esper Hero, which was the top deck at the time for War of the Spark. And then um, now I'm playing Four Color Wreck. I played Kethis, which was a very good combo deck. Although I, I love Kethis and I played even if it was bad. But yeah, so I don't know. Just it's fun to be spiky. It's really fun to play magic with other people. That's why we're on the server. It's why we, you know, it's why we have this podcast. It's, we're here to talk about magic and Alex, when, when I came to you about this and we were talking about it, I never had any aspirations of like, we're going to be a, a big magic podcast. We're going to have like thousands of people listening. We have fairly good viewers or a listenership. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of what we've done. And I think we've grown a lot as far as um, not only of like our, our own friend group and things like that, but just as content creators. And, and I, I think like your aspirations, we can do more. And I'd like to see what we can do in the future with like casting and like other videos and things like that. But we just want, we want to do this originally because it was fun. We like talking about magic. Uh, I was literally the kind of guy that would hit up the Pioneer uh, channel in the, in the uh, Discord. And I was like, not even looking for a game. Like, hey, anyone want to get a big group call together and just talk about magic? Like, I'm yeah, that's sort, like, of, that's sort of how, like, the first thing started, where we just sometimes made room. It's like, someone just want to chill and, like, talk about magic cards? Like, yeah. sure. <laughs> and and, uh, and Foam... Um, uh, was uh, kind of giving me shit about it a while back. He's like, yeah, you just like get people to come in. And I was like, yeah, uh, now that I think about it, I just wanted to have a podcast without having a podcast at the time. That's literally what it was. <laughs> but that's why we're here. We like to talk about magic. We like to talk about other things too. Like, I mean, I like talking about sports and stuff, uh, even to the dismay of both Matt and Alex. Um, <laughs> I, I just, you know, it's everyone has interests. Um, just like everyone has their own, it's like your love language when it comes to magic, when you're talking about like spikes, Jenny's, uh, Timmy's and things like that. Everyone has a love language. It's how you communicate. Like some people, um, respond better to communication and, and like empathy and things like that. Other people respond better to physical touch and like, you know, uh, like gifts. 
people respond better when magic when they win games with spiky decks or they have pretty looking cards and some people just like to hang out and and we're all different we're all unique and we love this game that's why we're here um but actually i think that might be just a good place to end on because i think we've covered pretty much everything i know matt has to run go cover a modern tournament and uh i i just want to say real quick as like my closing thoughts is thanks everybody for making the first year of pioneer so awesome and i look forward to playing many 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 more years of pioneer with you guys and we might be able to like collectively put like where do we see ourselves next year obviously still be doing this because it's awesome like yeah yeah we have aspirations to uh try and like i'd like to try and fly out over to the netherlands where alex is Hell yeah! A live uh, recording uh, with you guys, so that'd be really cool. Yeah, or or the cheaper option, if Alex would go for it, is just to bring Alex here rather than making two people fly international. We could just have him come here. Man, it depends if you would want to come around here just for a holiday. I want to go to Amsterdam in general, so this is a good excuse. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, then I guess 2021. Look forward to the live from the Netherlands podcast. Hopefully, that's the goal. If uh, if the world hasn't ended, it would be an amazing thing to do. Yeah. No guarantee. Yeah, like always, um, thank you everyone for listening. Thank you for everyone like Alex, or from like Matt said, for making Pioneer or the first year Pioneer fantastic. Again, we've had ups and downs. Uh, we've gone through the uh, combo meta. We've gone through the ever-changing meta of like day-to-day in the beginning. And we're here where we are now where the big splashy things are all the rage, but maybe some other things can come in and take its place. No matter what, sunshine rain bullshit whatever we're here for the game and we love playing this game we love this format and uh, like every single time it's about the gathering and we love hanging out with everyone else so thank you so much for hanging out with us thank you so much for listening thank you for being a part of our magic family and uh yeah we'll see you guys next week bye-bye see you next week guys